are back, brother. And they're back with a bang. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell talking box all the time. Your weekly dose of the sweet science returns. And you better believe we are fired up wild weekend. The heavyweight division turned upside down by one Andy Ruiz Jr., Rafe Bugs is going to be on to join me to break it down. The fall of AJ and a heavyweight division that now needs some sorting out. Wow. Like the great Nigel Collins said on Twitter on Saturday night. This is why you put up with all those crap fights and the good ones they don't make for wild events like this. I was happy to be there at MSG. But best believe we got a loaded show coming for you this week. Not just all the breakdowns at heavyweight. Not just a preview of Triple G Gennady Golovkin's return this Saturday into zone. We got a chat with the former middleweight champ to see where his head is at entering uh, dinner time against uh, pizza rolls. We're going to find that out this weekend. Also, hey, great chat coming your way with the gentleman himself, the great former heavyweight contender Jerry Cooney on his new book on overcoming alcoholism. I'm really finding himself late in life and also his thoughts on this here heavyweight division. You're going to want to check that out. Of course, you know, this show back, Jack stacked, underwritten, all those great things by that one and only performance enhancing audio. Uh, what do I got? Anything else to sell you? I don't think so here. I got to get right into this business, this heavyweight business. Oh, five star review season, please. All right. Just pick, pick the ball up and go cross that goal line for us. Head on over Apple Podcast, Tinder, J Date, Spotify, uh, Napster, wherever you are listening to this show, please spread it forward, spread it thin, spread it wide. We're, uh, just we're just spread it for us. Five stars, thank you. All right, let me bring in my man right here. Let's get fired up. Let me reach out a hand to my best friend. Would you like to shake my hand? I'd love to shake your hand. It's a push and pull. It's a tug and war of kindness that's about to start. He is, of course, a New York Times best-selling author. World-renowned editor, Filipino TV icon, protector of all things cruiserweights. It's Rafe Bugs, Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you, you up. up. Let me lick Ruby, you, up. you down. What happened? Oh, baby, Rafe Bugs, are you feel? From the heavyweight action that went down at MSG. I am very feel, Brian. That was a double, that was a Andy Ruiz quintuple times 20 kebab of what the hell. Oh my God. I don't know what to say. What happened? Here's what's crazy. The birthplace. Of Ajay. Yeah, the birthplace of Ajay. Anthony Josh, the biggest star in global boxing, making his U.S. debut. The odds makers having it giant in his direction. Rafe, I was on a million radio shows, digital shows, whatever, giving my take. And we said it on this show. It's like, man, we know Ruiz can do some things. But look, it's an 8-inch reach disadvantage, 4-inch height. Ajay's a great finisher. Just ask Mrs. Khan. No, 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 no. Um, Look, in the end, he may fight well, meaning Ruiz, but this is the sound drop we're going to be playing on Monday morning. Hey, that black guy, he hits hard. 
Only that's not the sound drop we're playing on Monday morning. It's this one, Rave. You should get beat by a man with titties. Come on, man. You got him. Tattoo on Titi saying B.I.G. Andy Ruiz is the king of the world. I don't, Brian, you were there. What the hell was going on? What was going on in that arena in Madison Square Garden? It, okay, so I'm going to give AJ credit just like I give any top British star. These blokes travel. Wraith, everywhere I went around the city, my hotel, restaurants, just British people everywhere. That was as pro an AJ arena as possible. So when Ruiz created that awkward ending in round seven, you know what I'm talking about, the second knockdown of the round, the fourth overall, AJ gets back up, he's walking backwards into the corner, Michael Griffin is giving him about five minutes to recover, AJ's got the mouthpiece out, he's leaning in the corner, when it finally became real that the fight was stopped, there was hush and silence, you never hear that in these type of moments, hush and straight silence. When Andy Ruiz is doing that weird, like, hippity-hop, jump-around move in the middle. And by the way, shout-out to Andy Ruiz. You deserve that, brother. There was odd silence for, like, three seconds. And then you get the full-on explosions. Then you get the, oh, my God, we just saw history. Then you get all the feels at one time, Rafe. Regardless of who you came in there backing, it's just like, ah, God. Rafe, you could not help but feel that, feel all of that, rub it on your gums, put it in your veins. It's not just like you live for moments like this as a fan, but you, you really do. You live for the unpredictable, the theater of the bizarre and unexpected that is boxing. Rafe, this was not the story. Andy Ruiz didn't know it was a damn exhibition. It's just one of those moments. Like, look, it's not as big as George Foreman's moment or Buster Douglas's moment, but it's pretty damn big, bro. I, I would say it's fair. I, I get it. We're the experts. We're the ones who are supposed to rein, rein in the casuals, tell Stephen A. Smith he's wrong, act like we know everything, act like we've been here all the time and knew, and, and actually knew some of this was going to happen even when we didn't predict it, even if we knew it could have happened. I know we're the ones who are supposed to be cool in these situations, but you know what? I'm not mad at anybody calling this an upset close to that calling it a moment close to that because it is brian it was crazy to witness yes we can go back and dissect and explain why it makes sense that some of this happened and and, and the vulnerabilities that have always been there with everyone in the heavyweight yes. division at this point in time that has never changed even as these guys became big stars that the, the entire sports world was watching but in the moment that is crazy. Try explaining that to your casual who just tuned in. It's like, oh, heavyweight fight. I'll check that out. Some big guys. And they see Andy Ruiz <laughs> taking Anthony Joshua to town. Just, you know, I think it was I, I, I to to get a little bit into the fight now. I do think that it was an equilibrium shot that that left hook yes. in the exchange in the third round. I don't think Joshua ever got his legs back, the, ever recovered. Quick, from let me that. give you a quick comparison. I know we always talk about uh Sexy Sergio's knee being the problem against Cotto. Yes. No, 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 but that was not true. <laughs> that left left hook to the head was such a bad equilibrium shot in early round one that it didn't matter if Sergio had two working knees. He was never remotely the same. So I know we blame it and we go, oh, Stop Cotto. It, Brian. Don't, don't bring that junk in here. That was an excuse they made up so they wouldn't get sued for sending Sergio bro, into the there. fight with one leg. Don't take away my recipes. I was there, bro. I saw it. I was there too, brother. 
Uh, to this day, I will stand up on that. To this day. That's what I'm talking about. Anyway, oh, Sergio, you nailed it. For me, you are the best champion. You will always be my champion, Sergio. For me. So, look, we'll get into it like you mentioned. But, like, people can quiet on the AJ was never that good. AJ quit. AJ this. AJ that. AJ was too smiley afterwards. Guys, he was concussed afterwards, first of all. And number two, he never recovered. And rightfully so. It's a heavyweight fight. Sometimes you get that bell rung and you just don't get it back. So what a freaking night. We're going to break down the specifics, but just macro-wise, Rafe, I was there at ringside. It was one of those jaw-drop, wow, you take a second, you turn to the guy next to you, who happened to be the, the French broadcast, by the way, that were there for Hassan and Dom, and uh, ooh, ooh, ooh la la, there was a lot of that going on, and you just... Ooh la la! Oh oui! Oh no, 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 no! Oh, c'est magnifique! Yeah, exactly, I mean, basically... Mayweather, you owe me, dog. No, wrong one. No, the guy shot his load is where I'm trying to go next to me, the French guy, but the whole point is you look in his eyes, you look in another man's eyes, you'll be willing to do stuff other men won't do, and you just know... I shared history with you. What we saw that was special, that was amazing. Forget journalism, forget anything. We're just fans of this charade. It was awesome. It was pure. And then to see, of course, Andy Ruiz being the first Mexican heavyweight champion and seeing that celebration, seeing the celebration I'm getting all over Twitter and text to me of fat people who are really excited that another fat person gave them uh, an opportunity to celebrate because if we know what Tyson Fury said ultimately about these type of people. The big guys. Right? The fat fellas can fight for some reason. All fat people can fight. <laughs> and I saw that man, Randy Ruiz, on the scale, 268 pounds on Friday, and you know what? Oh, wait. Was he a great big fat person? He was! And it was a victory for a lot of different people. And I don't want to go down the Stephen A. Smith route. And I know a lot of people of Mexican-American descent are obviously celebrating this as a giant moment. And it is. But, Rafe, just at the purest form of we are fans of this ish, where were you watching it? What was your reaction? Yeah, I don't think you have to be Mexican or Mexican-American or overweight or morbidly <laughs> obese or skinny or anything to appreciate this this was just amazing spectacle it was it was a not just was it an a, a huge upset on paper it was the easiest upset to just see if you'd never heard or or seen any of these guys fight before you're like well I think I know who's supposed to win this one. I mean, this is the kind of thing that if you didn't know any better, I post pictures of these kind of weigh-ins when they're deep on the undercard as jokes, as like, oh, here's our sad weigh-in of the weekend with some poor jobber who's getting sent, you know, fed to the, fed to the beast here. Except obviously, in this case, Andy Ruiz turned the tables and it was amazing. I don't care who you are. You should have fun with that. You should love it. Even, it seemed like even, even some of the hardcore Anthony Joshua British fans who who flew across the, the, the world, across the Atlantic to watch this fight, still had to tip their cap at the end and, and give give Ruiz their all. Just I for a second, a just story. to see how it felt. You got to tip that cap. <laughs> you you got to analyze the tip a little <laughs> bit. Uh, I do have a funny story about watching the fight. I was just at home watch, I, I, watching it on DAZN, a service that I have, a platform that I have, and... <laughs> there was in the third round right after uh Joshua knocked Ruiz down and you know he steps in and he starts to finish he throws that he lands that big right and it looks like this might actually end and then they're exchanging and right right at the moment that Andy Ruiz clipped Joshua with that left hook that caught him on the temple and sent his sent his legs to Jellyland 
right at that moment, my stream froze. And so I didn't know how bad the damage was. Like I could tell there was a, it was just at the moment where it was enough of a dip where I was like, oh, I think he got hurt, but I'm sitting there waiting for 30 seconds for it to restart. I'm like, is he really hurt or did it just, or he might he just be hurt? And then it starts again and oh no, his legs are gone. This fight is dead. What the hell? It was, it almost now, I'm sure ideally the zone, a platform that I have does not want that experience to happen to its users in real time, but I didn't, I wasn't mad at it. It, 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 it was so, strangely perfectly timed that it, it increased the suspense of that moment as I was sitting there like I think Joshua just got hurt by that and then waiting 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 holy crap he did get hurt bad yeah wow wow it's just one of those experiences we got to break this fight down technically what it means for the division and all that but first Rafe let's pause and hear a word from our friends and sponsors word up dig it Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. And we're back, Rafe. The heavyweight division upside down. Eje sent to hell, my friend. Hey, let's talk about how this happened. Ruiz was obviously a giant underdog, but I think we can be honest, Rafe. He was more of an underdog. I think we all recognize this. Then he necessarily deserved ability-wise or AJ deserved ability-wise. But we also knew what this fight was. A showcase. Fans didn't come across the pond and spend all that money because they wanted to see if Ruiz could do this. It was about AJ versus anybody. It was about the American debut. It was about MSG. And really, it was about banging that drum and clanging it for, hey, when are we going to see Wilder finally? Because we were on our own road to Mayweather-Pacquiao all over again, and we knew that. And by the way, it's not cheap to fly across the pond. Guess what? Do you know how much it costs? A lot. Thank you, Vlad. Thank you, Vladdy. Hi, hi, my boxing fans. Um, uh, visit me in five years at Kantostota. Thank you. I, Brian, I have to interject here because I have got, I have gotten DM slides, uh, specifically asking me to correct you when you conflate Sergey Kovalev's dejected, hi, my boxing fans, after the Alvarez knockout loss he suffered with the strange Vladimir Klitschko voice, the, the, Hi, Canastota. I love. Hello, everybody. So, just so it's you know, the and same, just Ray. for those handful of DM slides, those are two very different things. I like you. I like sex. It's nice. You think? You think I don't know that? You think I don't care that I'm mixing that guy with that guy's voice? You think I care? No. no. I don't. Anyway, Ray. He Here's the deal. How did they do it? Well, certainly he did it with speed. 
He did it by getting inside AJ's jab, which is something, if you watch the two first two rounds, it didn't look like it was going to be possible. AJ was basically just like, look, I'm going to jab you, and eventually you're going to walk into a right hand, and this size difference is going to be too much. But the thing is, Rafe, he only was able to get inside the jab in rounds, let's say, four through seven, because of what happened in round three, because of that equilibrium shot, because the fight changed in round three and AJ was never the same. So if we're really asking how did this happen, again, my response is not because AJ's not good. He was a heavy favorite because he's a giant star, because we've seen him get off, off the canvas against Klitschko before. But we all knew of his vulnerability coming in. We all knew of the vulnerability of anybody at heavyweight. We've seen AJ get rocked by Carlos Takam before and others. You want to know? How ultimately Ruiz did this, Rafe, for real? I'm being serious here. He did it because he had absolutely no fear. I've never seen a person walking into hell, if you will, a giant underdog against a big puncher and everyone saying you're going to lose with this much like loose, I don't give a damn, I'm here for fun, I'm here, I'm going to do this thing. Rafe, he did something at Thursday's press conference that not enough people talked about. It's a superstition in combat sports. You don't grab a world title and pick it up and put it around your waist and pose with it if you have yet to fight for it, right? It's like this, I don't even want to see that championship belt until I win it. Rafe, at Thursday's press conference during that face-off and then the, the photo thing, he grabbed like two or three of AJ's belts and he's putting them all over his his big body, all over his big slabs of meat. And he's like smiley and loving it. And some people, by the way, criticized AJ in that spot for not being like, what the heck? But look, that's AJ's personality. By the way, he is a gentleman. Whether you think that's good or bad, AJ's a good dude. But two, Rafe, that lack of fear from Ruiz got him through a point, which is that knockdown in round three early on a vicious two-punch combination. I mean, he got rocked by AJ. Most guys are not the same after that. And not just not the same from a headspace point of view, like I got rocked and concussed, but... That takes away the any form of confidence you had coming in. How many times have we seen that? And I'm sure if you're AJ, you're thinking, look, like I mentioned, I'm just going to jab him. Eventually, he's going to walk into something. And then I'm going to put this part, this fight away in the fourth round. And we're going to party like rock stars in, in NYC. And it was the fact that Ruiz not only had no fear, he was able to clear his head and get right back in there. And I think he caught AJ a little bit too wild trying to put him away. And I don't think many other heavyweights in that spot, Rafe, would have had that same sort of, like, looseness. Like, did you see how loose he fights? It's just like, whatever, I'm a fat dude with quick hands. Let's brawl. Maybe it's the Mexican-American. Maybe that's just the way he's wired. But he had that weird intangible that I don't think we looked at coming in. Other guys would have buckled in that spot. Well, there's a few things there. It's it's the classic problem with boxing, especially in this era where – Fighters, even top fi- top fighters, highly ranked fighters like Andy Ruiz has been for much of the last four or five years at heavyweight. He's been in and around the top 10. He fought Joseph Parker for that title, except it was one of those fights in New Zealand or Australia that a lot of American fans may not have watched. And in any case, we, he, but, but for all of him being well regarded and known for hand speed, known as a guy who can box despite his, his looking like a guy who, who is just a slob, uh, you still have this lack of fundamental lack of information. You don't have that much to go on. Who his his best wins had been Dimitrenko in the last fight, uh, Kevin Johnson, guys that every decent heavyweight has beaten, Ray Austin, you know whatever was left of Sergey Lyakovich. After I don't know if that was before or after Wilder sent him to hell. There, these were not wins that you really that as 
analysts or educated fans or experts, whatever, wherever you fall on the spectrum, they're not wins that you look at and take as really telling you a whole lot about a fighter. And Ruiz had never been down, never really even been hurt that I can think of in his career so we don't we we didn't know how he was going to react in that moment or we had nothing to go on I don't know if he knew I'm sure he was confident and he the way he fought was was brilliant in that moment and yes so fearless and brave and that's what won it for him and I think AJ probably made the same mistake in the moment that we as analysts made thinking okay once once AJ catches him with that and gets him hurt like he did in the third round. If AJ gets to him first, which he probably will, and he did, then AJ will finish because we haven't seen guys recuperate particularly well against against Joshua. Klitschko came back and, and got that knockdown after after Joshua shot his load. And but if you look look at Joshua's most recent fight before Ruiz, Povetkin, a a, a guy who is height wise, skill wise, has some things in common with with Andy Ruiz and we sort of used as a little bit of a template for this fight saying, okay, well maybe like Povetkin Ruiz can give AJ some trouble early, but then once the power, once, as long as AJ doesn't get hurt and, and keeps jabbing and finds him eventually, once he gets him hurt, it, he, that's going to be the, the, the story of the fight. Shout out to Max Kellerman. <laughs> that wasn't the story of the fight because AJ jumped in, didn't realize that Ruiz could recover as fast as he did and that Ruiz is at, is at his most dangerous, especially to a, a taller, a taller heavyweight like AJ is at his most dangerous when AJ just goes in there and, and, and exchanges, right? Because you're exchanging with a guy who is probably a more natural, more experienced boxer in Ruiz who's just been doing it his whole life he's not a converted athlete he is just a a big dude who fights and he's got faster hands so he's got better instincts and better hands in the pocket even when he's hurt and we weren't sure that was going to be the case unfortunately by the time AJ found out he was hit with something that he never recovered from and Andy Ruiz god bless you man you he took that from that moment and never, ever let up. Well, no, never hold on. I'm going to stop you there. They, he was gassed after round three and trying to finish Joshua. There was a moment before the second knockdown in round three where Ruiz didn't throw a punch for like 10 seconds trying to catch his breath, and it was sort of like, oh, my God, you're going to let him off the hook. And then, Rafe, he did leave him yeah. off the hook in round four. Ruiz took round four off completely to rest, as did AJ. They did. They both did. You're right. He did not. It's not that. I'm sorry. I, I said that wrong. I think I mean that he he never let go control of that fight. And I thought if we and we can go back to rounds three and four in a minute if you want. But I thought it was huge in round six because you saw in rounds five and six, AJ started to begin those rounds with a little more pop. He start he, he threw a couple of hard rights. He landed a couple. He landed a sweet hook in in one of those rounds, and it looked like okay, this may be the Klitschko fight again, where he they let him off. You, you let AJ off the hook. He recuperates and catches up with you later. But at the end, the last minute of that sixth round, when AJ when when Andy Ruiz just started attacking AJ's body, that was the end of the fight. He took the fight. That out was of a key part right of it. There, he that first in the in the clinch, he hit him with a hook that 
AJ then hugged and was like, oh, what was that? Then he hit him with the straight right to the body, then the jab to the chest, and AJ stopped. His legs stopped working for that last so, minute. And then the seventh round happened, and boom, end of, end of the fight. Look, many fights of AJ's that we've seen, he's gassed out in the middle round. So it's really not that surprising that he would be that exhausted in round seven when you consider the body shots you just mentioned and the fact that he had been dropped twice in round three and was kind of went through a little bit of hell. That's A. B, it's not like we're surprised that AJ's vulnerable. I've written twice, two separate columns at different points in AJ's rides where I'm like, you know why he's going to be the giant star that we need? Because he ha he's going to have to get rocked in his biggest fights. Like, if he's ever going to beat Wilder, he's probably going to hit the canvas like he did against Klitschko. If he's ever going to beat Fury, he's probably going to have moments of exposure. He's sort of this blue-collar. I know he's like a, 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 a glamour boy in a lot of ways, but he fights like a blue-collar guy, too, as well, because he's not a prototypical anything. He's sort of just this muscular guy who can do a little bit of everything. But number three, it was interesting, man, that Ruiz, okay, he took a round off but that Ruiz could find it again and was never gassed himself going for it again, but sort of steadily brick by brick, like you mentioned, body shot here, catch him here, catch him here. Because after that third round, all right, I got a text at ringside for one of my buddies who listened to the show from my hometown, Mal's. Mal's is basically like, oh, man, too bad Ruiz is so fat and out of shape. He had his moment, and he couldn't finish AJ. And right then, you know what I thought of? I thought of that heavyweight title fight, Jamil McClain against Sam Peter. Peter was champion. McCline knocks him down three times in like the first two or three rounds. And you're like, oh my God, journeyman Mc Jamel McCline is going to have his moment. Jamil, this is going to actually happen. Couldn't finish him, loses a decision. I really thought in rounds four and five that like, oh man, Ruiz, you're going to get tired and get stopped or, or the judges are going to screw you. But you almost had it, brother. So shout out to Ruiz for just steadily keeping up that pressure and being poised, Rafe, again, the poise, no panic, no, I don't know what to do, I've never been in this spot, he's that dude, like, it didn't really matter to him. You know, and, and Ruiz has been saying, I want to be the, the you know, of course, uh, the first Mexican, Mexican-American heavyweight champion, I want to be the Canelo of the heavyweight division, and I think, you know what I think we learned, which we didn't, we hadn't gotten an opportunity to see from Andy Ruiz, because he hasn't been in a moment like this before, this guy was born ready. He's, he really, cause <laughs> really that was the, his You're first right. time down. What is he gets up and, and puts Joshua back on his ass. And of course that has to do with Joshua's vulnerabilities. We, he, he, he's, he's chinny. You got to say it now. Jo that is a problem. He's, he can build himself back up in every right way. Yeah. From you, this point you on, you just in his beat career. a man who's chinny, but you know, he is going to be chinny. He, that, that, that you can't say, Oh, he might be vulnerable. That, that is the, the, the jury is out. Anthony Joshua's chin is de is is a, is, a, is his biggest vulnerability. And by the way, let's be honest here. Throughout Lennox Lewis's entire career, because of the one punch knockout to McCall for the title, and because of course the one punch knockout to Rockman for the title, he had that same thing. Even though he got through some hellish moments, I'm speaking of Lennox. Obviously, that Ray Mercer fight in '96 was a war. But through his whole career, I remember because I was the biggest Lennox Lewis hater ever. We're like, well, if somebody can get to that gin, we're gonna find out. So, uh, you know, it's not ridiculous that that that's the truth. And by the way, if you ask me right now, gun to my head, who wins the rematch in the UK this fall? I'm going to predict Joshua because I think he is sort of a special star who had a really, really bad night, and he's going to have a chance to prove that. But forget that. Hey, 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 this is Danny's night. Andy had a stick. This is all about Andy Ruiz Jr., brother. 
and Rafe, what a good moment for seemingly a good dude. A guy who showed us potential early in that top rank rise, but really never put it together. Bounced around a little bit. We know he just signed with PBC and he knocked out Dimitrenko, got hit a little bit in April, didn't look amazing. We know, though, we've seen him on the title level against Joe Parker and, and you know, maybe got robbed, at least showed that he had poise. But, Rafe, we never would have guessed that he could do this. So the idea, and this is sort of a spin-off topic that, that everybody was talking about, I wrote a column about it, right away you get the cops, the Iolis who are on Twitter going, oh, man, see Al Heyman, see Eddie Hearn, because you marinated Joshua Wilder, you ruined it. No, you didn't, guys. Like, okay, in theory... You did. In theory, we should have seen Joshua Wilder like a year and a half ago. But you know what, Rafe? Ruiz winning, tell me if I'm crazy, is great for the division. Guess what? We now have another marketable player. We now have another musty fight in Ruiz Joshua 2. And, Rafe, if we want to live in a world where they all fight each other two, three times, regardless of promotion or network, we have to be okay with losses. And we have to understand hanging some L's on these guys. So they have to fight each other. We have to understand that losses will bring them closer to fighting. And by the way, who the hell cares if Joshua Wilder is a $50 million fight or a $5 million fight? We're boxing fans and we're not getting any of that money. Okay. So I get the idea of going, this could have been great for the sport. And it would have been, this could have brought back the casuals and it would have guess what? It still will because all those cynics on Twitter are right. Manny sent to hell by Marquez in 2012 still made record numbers against Floyd. And I know you're going to say, well, it shouldn't have gone five years. No, it shouldn't have. And Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson shouldn't have fought in 2002. They should have fought in 1996. But guess what, Rafe? You can still save big fights. I don't care if Joshua and Wilder have one loss apiece when they finally fight. If it's for all four belts, it's going to matter, brother. It will matter. I don't know. At this point, if they will, I don't know if I would handicap them betting that that will actually happen with all the belts on the line i guess i guess all that needs to happen though is is joshua to win a rematch and wilder not to get beat by luis ortiz however uh, you know three days ago all we would have said well of course you know all, all aj has to do is get by andy ruiz and oh we're, we're. so it's very easy this is heavyweight boxing wilder who's out here crowing on social media like he isn't vulnerable as hell too and <laughs> hasn't been rocked multiple times by Molina jabs in his career. Um, just be careful what you wish for. Uh, in any case, I, I'm with you. You're right about for the fans, for interest in the sport. This is all great. As a publicity move for DAZN getting their name out there, it is great. This is a can't-miss sports moment. This is the upset of the decade, Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the end of the decade, so there may be one early on yes. that, that I'm wrong about. It's definitely the heavyweight upset of the decade in, in whatever you want to I mean, say. Besides, besides. <laughs> what are be, you going to do? Be, let's talk math. Let's talk boxing. Let's talk Jeff Horn. I mean, that was a pretty big upset, but man, he was washed. I get where you're going there, all right? Uh, let's go ahead and call it the heavyweight upset of the decade. I know. And I mean, come happened. on. Who's going to talk about Jeff Horn, right? Jeff Horn. Who's Jeff Horn? Nobody. Keep going. Nobody. Man. Nobody. Uh, <laughs> it is the heavyweight upset of the decade. It happened on a platform that I have, DAZN, and it's great publicity for DAZN. Now, who is unhappy about this development? It is 
the people who are going to make money off of Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Because one thing that I think is different from this case, comparing it to Manny and Floyd and Manny's loss to Marquez in 2013. 12, December. 12, that's right. So the thing that I think is different there is this in this scenario, AJ losing is more like if Floyd had lost before that fight. He ah. AJ brings the money. The money that was propping up the division, the 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 sort of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow was coming from AJ's stardom. This idea that, oh my god, this guy is just perfect. He's the full package. Even if we boxing people knew he wasn't a perfect boxer, uh, but in in so many ways he just he he captured something. He was a he was the big star that that was making tons of money in the UK before he was fighting for world titles. He was the the gold medalist. He was all these things. Fury has been back and forth from his own personal hells and has lost career momentum over that. Although he coming back from his own personal hell has kind of built him into a bigger star than he was before. But anyway. Wilder has been around in the U.S. with a belt forever and really has only gotten popular because of Anthony Joshua. I, that's not fair. That is not fair. That is not right necessarily, but that there is some truth to that statement. Uh, and, yeah. and now that, that the person at the end has been to the casual fan that you're selling this to has been exposed or at least has been dented as less of a, 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 generational talent than than he was being sold as that that fight is not is unlikely to ever be worth as much as it right. would have no, been no but i'm going to call care. i'm going to stop you there care. that's not my problem and that's not your problem right. and you're right i want to counter you a little bit there i be, i agree with the overall spirit of what you're saying i think heavyweight's different if floyd had gotten knocked out by maidana on the road to fighting manny or something you know what i mean yeah that's a little bit different but heavyweight's different. We've seen our heroes get get beat and come back before. So this is really bad for AJ's brand and for the idea of, you know, AJ and Wilder being the fight, the biggest fight the sport can make if AJ loses the rematch to Andy Ruiz. But if he doesn't, Rafe, if 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 you if I could tell you I can see the future, all right? And you'll be washed at 40. You 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 know, do you see that guy's balls? They were weird. And my future, I could tell you, Joshua knocks out Ruiz in front of 80K and one because we'll we'll get Alex Godinez on the uh, DAZN uh, private charter jet with uh, Skipper and uh, Oscar. Uh, wow, and Cali. We'll, we'll get a mask. Imagine putting an eyes wide shut mask on Alex Godinez and just just having him tell us all those great stories. You know, we we'll get him on there with AJ and and I mean, God, we'll have Oscar on board. I mean, you have no idea what kind of party. Anthony Joshua's what like six seven, six eight, yeah, and he's muscular and he's built like a looks like a freaking goddess you know yeah i'd love to see him in some fishnets That's what a hashtag what a beauty body wow oscar wow i got two words for you right sit on the d all right rafe here's where i'm really going with this if aj wins he's going to become a bigger star because fans love when their heroes come back from vulnerability they love second chances so i get the theory of unbeaten champion wilder versus unbeaten champion joshua to find out who's the man at heavyweight it sounds like the best thing ever. But unbeaten Devin Alexander against unbeaten Tim Bradley in the damn Pontiac Silverdome was the same thing. I know, horrible, horrible comparison there. But, you know, the, but my point is, look, what if that fight happened and it kind of sucked? 
and one of them won a boring decision. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather if, if Joshua comes in with one loss and finally fights Wilder for all the belts, it's still going to matter. It's still going to be huge. And at that point, more fans will have known who Josh. Oh, Joshua's that guy that got knocked out by the fat guy. Oh, but didn't he come back in England and send him to hell? If that happens, we're right back on track. Maybe with more ammo. I don't know. But Rafe, did you see that tweet today, this morning, from Darren Ravel about? I did. I did. How... He, look, why? Why are you giving Ravel credit for because, breaking this? This because... is a well-known story. Eddie Hearn's been on I didn't every know. interview for the last three weeks saying, "Oh, top bloke Andy Ruiz. He he hit me in my DMs, and then we made the fight straight from there. He's a he's a quality bloke." Thank the great Eddie Hearns. Uh, yeah, uh, by the way, I love Andy Ruiz calling him Hearns at all times. Well, I didn't know that story, Rafe, okay? And I was covering this fight. I was at this fight. So, you know, whatever. But it does confirm what Ryan Garcia has said on this show. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. It goes down as DM. <laughs> Rafe, stick picks in that transaction or no? I it, That may have sealed the deal. Hearn may have said, I I believe you, Andy. I think I think that you want this fight. But I need you to show me you want this fight. You know, uh, show me. Really yeah. show me. And Andy was like, all right, if you're asking for it, Andy, I'll show it to you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He put his balls on the line. Yeah. Who else puts the balls on the line? Eddie said, I have to look at the whole man. Uh, yeah. How many, how many guys have you seen? Many guys. Many guys. Many guys. Uh, Rafe, we've gone this far into the show and we haven't identified the real winner on Saturday night. No, not Andy Ruiz Jr., not casual boxing fans, not big fat people. You know who the real winner is on Saturday night, Rafe? Where are you going with this? Al Heyman, the GOAT. Al Heyman is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. He has all four bouts, Rafe. I don't – look, I was glad that Andy Ruiz did not – immediately go into the ring or maybe i'm wrong and i didn't catch when he when he said it but that it wasn't immediate i just had the biggest moment of my career the biggest moment of my life maybe uh i don't know if he has children i would that that's one of the things that i would say maybe is bigger than than winning this belt but he didn't just go in there and say thank you al Heyman, thank you to my son al thank you to my daughter al thank you to my dog and cats al and al he didn't do that he 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 it was about him. It was about this moment. It was about his people. It was about something bigger than boxing promoter rivalries. And while, yeah, this is something we got to talk about. We got to get into the meta discussion of who, who went, who is best set up by this. And now PBC on some level controls all four heavyweight titles. Oh my God. That's great. Great for Al. What a brilliant move. Blah, blah, blah. They didn't try. Look, PBC did not try to get this belt by sending Andy Ruiz in there to b- defeat Anthony Joshua. They could, it's not like they said, it's not like they said, okay, Luis Ortiz, you want this opportunity? Go in there. Take that. Go, go get that belt and then fight Deontay for it. it they didn't say that Adam Kownowski and the full player. force of, and the full force of Polish Twitter. They didn't tell them, okay, boys, go in there and win that. They said, no, 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 no. This is not your night. This is Andy's night. We don't want that belt right now we're gonna say we just signed andy ruiz we don't know if we really believe i don't now this is me projecting i shouldn't say this but andy ruiz is i would say is a more recent addition to the pbc stable which is true and perhaps 
more of an afterthought than some of those guys I just mentioned, Karnowski, Luis Ortiz. That those were there the people who were being presented as the top rung. Ruiz is a nice guy that we picked up and maybe he's still got something interesting to work with. So great, great, you get this shot. So this was not like some brilliant move to get the belts over there. No, no and- one's saying that though. No one's saying that. I think it's more of an ironic, like, wow, Al- and here's the deal. Yes, Al Heyman is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, but he doesn't really hold all the cards because AJ's the A-side. In a fight like this, you're going to have the mandatory rematch clause. The only way Andy Ruiz could go fight somebody else is if AJ's like, I don't want to fight you, bro. Right? I mean, well, so, so the reality is, anytime you're the B-side on this type of pairing, you have to beat the champion twice to truly be in control. And now, Brian, this is, this is something I, I, it pains me to bring up because I like Anthony Joshua. He has been my favorite of the big three heavyweights for the last couple of years. He's the guy who I thought if I, you know, even recognizing his vulnerabilities was the guy's like, yeah, push comes to shove. I th- I like him the best at just a, a, as a fighter and, and enjoyed his personality, even if it's a little dry and corporate, whatever, whatever. I thought he seemed, he seemed like a gentleman, you know, I, and I, and it worked for me. So it pains me to bring this up. Are we, are you willing to even entertain the notion that Anthony Jacks will, will, will wow. Anthony Josh Jack from this rematch? Anthony Did you, Josh. Wow. Um, Did you get any, I, we got, no. get the hell our out boy of Homer here. was sliding in the DMs with, who always slides in with the good points. And right away he's like, did you guys catch any of those VO vibes from AJ? Is that going too far? Uh, yeah, that is, that is going too far. You know, Rafe, I, I don't have any time for this conversation. I saw our brethren who, by the way, I really enjoy Michael Woods on Twitter basically asking that same question. Will we ever see AJ again? You know, is there a chance he'll retire after this? No. I get the idea that he's a star and he's got millions in the bank and he's got acting possibilities and all that. It's probably all true. I'll I'll be on you with that. But I I feel like I know AJ to a certain degree from interviewing a few times. There's a competitor in there. There's also a humble gentleman, by the way. So I think that's why afterwards he had some goofy moments in the ring, including trying to pull the mic away from Chris Mannix when he was asking, when he was, when it was Ruiz's moment. No, 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 AJ. This is Danny's moment here. I mean, come on. Come on, Mannix. Jim Gray that ish. Anyway, no, I don't think he's going to jack. What I heard from him in the ring and hearing from Eddie, although look, Eddie did give the disclaimer of, we can't talk about the future until we talk to AJ. He's going to take the rematch. He's going to go into there in the UK, and he's probably going to win, Rafe, right? Like, he's probably going to recharge, come in, be behind that jab, have a better strategy. Who knows, dude, in the life of a fighter, what happened? Because, Rafe, we're not professional athletes, but sometimes we do things. We play rec basketball. We go to run, and we have a really crappy workout or a game, and we're like, you know what? I ate my crap last night, or I was fighting with the wife last week, and it's killing me. There's a, there could be anything that AJ wasn't AJ, or he just straight up got caught, and it happens. I didn't see enough in any mannerisms or words or anything I know about him in the past to suggest that he would jack or finish, and that I would even need to hit the Nas button. Why don't I hit the other Nas button that says, who else in boxing going to give you a package like AJ? All right? Rave, he's going to come back and he's probably going to win. Brian, I think that's fair, but this is boxing, man, and people are ruthless in this sport. Fans, fighters, promoters, managers, this it, it turns on a dime in a fight and in public opinion. And while I do agree that it is unfair to pin that kind of 
suspicion on AJ right away after one loss where I especially the the biggest reason I think it's unfair is because of the way he reacted to that that equilibrium shot. I think that he he didn't recover from that at all and and was saying weird things in the corner even not weird but you know a full round after the the round 3 between what 4 and 5 he's asking Rob McCracken which shot was it then later on before the 7th round he's saying why do I feel this way i mean it sounds like david after dentist in there he he was i don't we are, we're not we can't evaluate him and say he was concussed but he, um, I'm going to guess that, he was concussed, Rafe. This is boxing. All right. I'm going to guess he was concussed. But, but look, we can't, we don't, we're not there. We're evaluating him. But whatever, whatever, however you want to describe it medically, he, that, the, the, the shot that, that set this all in motion in the third round, that shot on the temple, that left hook shook him up and he never recovered on the night. And so I think it's fair to, to say, look, let's, let's pump the brakes on, on, reading into every one of AJ's mannerisms and everything about his demeanor and the way that he backed up to the ropes and looked sort of out of it because he was out of it. Uh, and, and instead of, and, you know, you just as you could look at those mannerisms and say, Oh, I don't know. He looked like he might've quit, which I do not believe at all. No, no, no. He's no, also no, no. someone who, if he, if you think that he was hurt that bad in the third round, you probably deserve some credit for fighting that hurt. For four rounds and trying to, 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 to get his self back together. I was together impressed. To Overall, I'm actually impressed by like the toughness AJ showed and he kept coming back. But even if you, even if that's the fair thing to do, boxing ain't fair, life ain't fair, and people, many people, many guys are gonna question his, his moxie, his gumption, his desire, his hunger. Does he want this? Does he sound like a guy now who's made a ton of money? And just enjoys life. Wants to maybe is people are going to question that. And yeah, the rematch is the way to set the record straight. If AJ comes out, he doesn't have to destroy Andy Ruiz. In fact, I think we saw. I think it would be quite foolish of him to just come out if the rematch happens immediately. I think it would be foolish for AJ to try and jump on Ruiz and just blow him out in three rounds. I mean, that, that is a bad idea. The one way that Ruiz is going to always beat Anthony Joshua is if Anthony Joshua jumps in and exchanges with him and, and loses exchanges, which yes. is likely to happen against a, a sharper combination puncher with faster hands and a guy who doesn't have a great chin who is AJ. So if they do the, if, if he goes in the rematch, he doesn't have to blow a Ruiz out in three rounds. He can work behind the jab. He can move. He can basically fight a Klitschko style. He can hold. He can do all kinds of that junk, which is not as exciting, but wins fights. And if he does that and, 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 and it works out that way, then yes, then, then the, you can say, you can put some of the doubts to rest. Yeah. But the doubts are going to be there right now. And if he doesn't take the fight, people are going to be like, hmm. All right. I'd ra I'm okay with people saying – I'm more okay with people saying, well, maybe he was never that good to begin with, which is just crap. Guys, we saw the Klitschko fights, one of the better heavyweight fights in modern history. AJ gotta... still has the best wins at heavyweight of any heavyweight active right now. Povetkin, Klitschko, good contenders like Takam. Joseph Parker when he was undefeated. This is not yeah. even close Don't make me to the bring kind out... of guys that Wilder has been defending his belt against. Don't get me started on Don't that crap. Don't bring me out Chris Algeri here. 
Name the top guy he fought that's better than Chris Azier. I mean, don't, don't, like, don't make me go in that direction here. Name, name it. Tell me one great fighter Deontay Wilder knocked out. Not no, name it one guy. Look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay, I'd be better off if people questioned his ability than question his mindset and his heart. Will he ever come back? When people get knocked out, a few things happen. Look, and I used to spar. I'm not like I hate coming in here being like, well, I used to do some things. No, but I used to put on headgear and gloves and spar you people. You know, when I used to play pickup basketball at Holy Cross, Brian, I was a stud. I just wanted to throw that in. There. My point was, I would get knocked down. And then I would drive home and go on with my life and stop at the grocery store. And I'd be giddy and smiley because I wasn't all there, Rafe, okay? So after uh Victor Ortiz gets stopped by Floyd in embarrassing fashion and he's overly smiley and he's hugging Floyd and he's doing all weird stuff, combination of the two things. One, he's not all there upstairs. Two, he's embarrassed as heck. Do you know who is probably embarrassed by this loss? AJ, because thousands of people crossed over. To see this fight, thousands of people were like, I got, you know, this is a, this is a giant thing. This was a showcased fight and he got knocked the hell out. So let's give him a little bit of slack that he was, his natural instinct was to go above and beyond and be humble and be like, Ruiz, you did it, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't mean he's going to quit. It means he's a nice guy ultimately because when you put a mic in front of a guy who's concussed, you never know what's going to happen. Now, now he's basically saying that the referee stopped the fight because, they, you know, they have gambling problems. And told the commission that uh, the referee was a gambler. Yeah, yeah, all right, Wadma, we get the point there. I mean, look, Michael anything. Griffin the gambler. Anything right, can happen. Can I play a little devil's advocate you know, with you? He doesn't deserve what, to be taking this punishment. Go for it, Rafe. What would it take for you to... To go out on that limb or to at least inch out on that limb, just would to even analyze that tip, Brian, what would it take? Would it take them showing the replays to AJ in the ring after the, after losing to Ruiz and AJ going like, Oh, bro, man, that was crazy. <laughs> or would it be AJ saying, I'm a young guy. I don't deserve to be getting beat like this. I what beat up Dude, like this. What, what, what would it take? Yeah, it would take a VO type of thing on the microphone, are you? But like, and look, that's cause that's a bizarre dude who in the moment was questioning if he had the toughness to do this. And that's the truth right there. But here's the deal. You know Canelo's stupid catchphrase trademark? No boxing, no life, Rafe. Uh, I was born for this. No box, no life. AJ was born for this. Gosh, he's an Olympic gold medalist. This is what he does. I'm sure he's got acting and modeling dreams. But if he's not fighting, he's not doing any of that stuff. This guy's a fighter. He's going to come back. He's probably going to win the rematch. Stop with this jack crap. All right? Okay. And, and and I now I am going to break character and stop with the jack crap and say that for everyone thinking, oh, I see some some face lube in that reaction, you also got to let's, – let's remember another truly great fighter who also – was way too smiley at all times, when, including when he lost, including when he blew fights. And that was Oscar De La Hoya. And that guy, say what you will about him in, in, in terms of whether you were a fan or not, whether you thought he was overrated at times, whether you hate, loved him or hated him, all that junk. That guy was a fighter to the bone. All, like, would fought the best at every, almost every opportunity he got. And that's why he has some of those losses on his resume and came to fight 
in all those fights. I, it, 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 yes. So, so Oscar is sort of like the, the counterpoint of you can be a, a tough as balls fighter in the ring and after the fight, just be kind of one of these weird smiley dudes. It does happen. People have different personalities. Yeah, it's 2019. Was, don't forget what Wash Gill said about Oscar too. I love watching, uh, yeah, love watching De La Hoya. Oh, uh, De La Hoya was a freak, yeah. He really was. He really was a freak. All right. So that's the deal there. All right, Rafe, uh, division upside down. Three titles with Ruiz, but like I mentioned, you're not really the real champion until you beat the A-side twice. That's how it works. He can't put one of the gar- the titles in the garbage. This isn't a Riddick Bo Lennox Lewis situation where there's a fighter waiting who has the mandatory and you're just going to give up a belt. He has to fight Joshua for all three or he doesn't have him. So this does turn the division upside down because Wilder, you mentioned, had released last week the news. He's going to fight Luis Ortiz a second time, probably September 28th, probably the Staples Center, probably a Showtime pay-per-view. And then the blockbuster news, I believe, on Friday that sort of stole AJ's debut thunder was that he and Tyson Fury, Al Heyman the GOAT, and Grandpa Bob, and the rumor on Twitter, Super Agent Nick Khan came in and once again was the uh, was the adult in the room to make people get together, signed, sealed, delivered, spring 2020 rematch between Wilder and Fury, probably a joint ESPN and Showtime or Fox, we're not sure, pay-per-view production. Wow. So this is my whole theory, Rafe, that this is why the Ruiz win is awesome for the division. We now have Wilder heading into two consecutive must-see fights. Fury is going to fight the Schwartz, right? And it's not must-see, but it, it's interesting. It's a, it moves the chains. It does? It moves the chains. Fine. It don't move no needles. It sucks, but it's, it's a curiosity, okay? And then you get Ruiz Joshua 2, and then it allows... Usyk to not have to rush back into something giant. He can still take a regular heavyweight debut fight. And I know there's also Joe Parker who just got signed this week as well to match him. Although we would not be excited at a Joshua Parker rematch unless Joshua didn't have a title and was just trying to like come back up the ladder. So the question is now. We know the power of the division is three belt Ruiz, but not really true. Joshua's still the power. But in terms of just ability right now, if we did heavyweight pound for pound, who's the man? Rafe? Who's the man? Give me your heavyweight pound for pound, and I'm going to ask you to include Usyk in this, even though we obviously don't know what he would look like as a heavyweight, but he is a heavyweight. Who's the man right now? Well, so pound for pound, I don't know if we want to bring pound no. for pound into this, because if it's the, it's the heavyweight pound for pound, yes, Usyk is clearly the best pound for pound boxer no, of any uh, of these guys. This is sort of uh, the idea of who would beat who power rankings, right. okay? Uh, who wins? Who's who? Who's the king of the division? Fury, Usyk, Wilder. Wow, wait, you just, hold, stop, pause, hold the presses here. Double kebab, wow, mama finger, papa finger, it's so good, everyone's got to eat, I can't find any of my buttons. Keith, where are we? It's It's all about, it's all about the lube, man. Rafe, you just said Usyk would beat Wilder. That's essentially what you just said. I do believe that. Look, the, we have seen... The difference between con- impressive athletes who have been converted to boxing and real boxers. And Usyk is the latter. He's also a great athlete. He doesn't have the size, the power, of course, that the, 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 that the Wilders and the Joshuas have. But 
we've seen that like we 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 know that these guys are vulnerable and part of the reason they haven't lost is because they are being they have been protected to some point now they are so vulnerable that even when you're trying to protect them you can't always protect them you can't protect big chinny guys who don't really know how to box as well as guys who know how to box better than them and we saw that happen with Andy Ruiz now Usyk is better Usyk is real real good real good and I think he has multiple ways to outbox and defeat a guy like Deontay Wilder. Do I understand that it is very possible that a guy with the reach, the explosiveness, the danger of that one shot from Deontay Wilder could land and make me look stupid for picking Usyk over him? Sure. Absolutely. That's a hipster take I like, though. I like that it's hipster It's not even take. a hipster take. It's like we've just seen that like when you put – these guys in against other fighters who know how to handle themselves in a ring, which they've seen maybe three times in their entire careers at most, right? I mean, three or four in the past for, for Joshua before Ruiz, maybe only once or twice for, for Deontay Wilder with, uh, Luis Ortiz and, and, and Tyson Fury. These guys are, are vulnerable. And a guy like Usyk, I do think is good enough to, to come out with a win in those fights. Interesting. I'm so going. Those, so it goes Fury, Usyk, Wilder, uh, Ruiz, Joshua. Wow. I, wow. I'm going, okay, here we go. Tell me if this is crazy. One, Fury. You gotta be. We watched him beat Wilder. It happened. Two, Wilder. Because until Usyk proves it, I can't put him above, until he proves that he can do this at heavyweight. And by the way, anyone who's gonna keep Wilder above, even after Usyk proves it, look, Wilder's in play against everybody with that power. Three Usyk on the eye test. Four Joshua. I'm sorry. Ruiz just knocked him out, but four Joshua. Wow. Wow. You're not giving this man any credit for a, a I'm for giving just... him credit. He went in there and knocked him out. I just not don't... enough credit to rank him above the guy. I just, just don't know out, if he's a better fighter right now. I don't know if he's a better fighter right now. I don't Have know that. People questioning his entire commitment to the sport. Ruiz did all this in one night. And I don't know if he's better him? than him, Rafe. This is not unheard of, by the way, when somebody pulls an upset that you would still leave the other guy above him in the rankings. Rayfield does that crap all the time. Anyway. Four. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, then, uh, then I guess it's okay. Oh, here we go. More Raphael on Raphael crime here. I like this. Hey, no, no, no. I tell you, it, it, it is a tug of war of kindness. Do you know right? how Dan? And, Rayf- and I mean that. You know how Dan Raphael hates when people call him Dan Raphael. Would you hate if someone called you Raphael Bartholomew? That is actually my real name, bro. Um, Pronounced Raphael. Yeah, I'm named after my Irish great-grandfather, Raphael Egan. Oh, you're not and Raphael. This ain't no Ninja Turtle un- thing here. Unfortunately, well, unfortunately, it, yeah, it is the it is the crappy whitewashed Irish version, not the cool Ninja Turtle, uh, you know, Latin version from Spanish or 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 whatever, you know, Latin American well, country. Rafe, you are a, a a world market type of man here because a lot of people think you're Filipino from hearing you speak Tagalog. I thought maybe you had some Spanish in you because your real name's Raphael. Turns out you're just some Irish dude named Raphael, but I'm not even sure you're Irish, are you? I'm one quarter Irish. Yeah, I, I have a I have a little Irish in me if you if you if you oh, want to wow. put it that way. Oh, wow! Hey, shout out to the Irish crew. Hey, oh, uh, um, wow! All right, where the hell so, were we? Oh, and then look, my fifth will be Ruiz, but I got Luis Ortiz right there. Like, Rafe, who wins a fight, Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz? You don't know that, brother. You really don't know that. 
No, no, it's true. I mean, that's the, that's one of the crazy things. That's the fun. That should be the fun thing about this division. And what I hope does eventually happen that this does shake things loose like you are suggesting it could and hopefully it will that we start seeing some of these middle round middle sort of the the guys who have been waiting in the wings the Ruizes the Ortizes the Dillian Whites the Kubrat Pulevs that they will in addition to getting some of the biggest fights against the Wilders, against the Furies, against the Joshuas, they'll also fight each other a little more. Of course, Dillian White has been doing that, and much credit to him. But that it shakes things loose, and we just get to see these guys fight each other. Because, yeah, that's different. Each guy is vulnerable and and skilled in different ways. And when you match them up, we're going to see cool styles make fights disparities. And it's going to make the division a lot of fun. But they got to make the fights. Very true. Very true, Rafe. Um, dude, quick react. Look, we're we're gonna run short in time. We're gonna have to go into rapid mode. Doesn't matter. This is big. This is the this is the big stuff, man. I don't care about that. Look, Katie Taylor. Interesting. All right, all right, right. stop, stop, stop crapping on the other stuff. Hold on. Talk about you all for two minutes. All right, we got the point. We got the damn point, Rafe. You're making me tough. We're gonna do Stephen A. Smith things right now, Brian. Oh yeah, I forgot. AJ got knocked out by. By uh, what's his name? Uh, Butterbean. Which, yes, that's a Stephen A. Look. Smith. Do you see Canelo fired back? By the way, first of all, Stephen A. Smith came out with a crap tweet, basically calling Ruiz Butterbean and saying that Wilder was better than Joshua all along, and he got ripped by everybody in the boxing media. I mean, everybody. But did you see Canelo quote tweeted them too? Yeah, Canelo, you are more famous than Stephen A. Smith. You do not need to dunk on him on Twitter to gain fans this is not the same thirsty media play that we saw everyone else do being like i know more about boxing than stephen a smith look i don't care if stephen a smith says dumb things about boxing it's good for boxing whatever he's stephen a smith opens his mouth about boxing it's good for the overall quality of the sport and like wanting some kind of blue ribbon for being more of a boxing expert than than a sports generalist who, you know, really at this point in his career is is a paid hyperbole artist. A paid hornball, Rafe. Right? I don't agree with the part about me being horny all hours of the day. Yeah. A few hours and, of the well, day. A few yeah. hours of the day. I mean, let's be honest, yeah. Anthony Josh cannot be going down to Madison Square Garden to get knocked out by Joe Butterbean Horn. Okay, Brian? Yeah, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, right, I Jeffrey. wanted to ask you one, one, no, one actually pretty serious follow up about uh, about Anthony Joshua, and that's like looking forward. Okay, I know you think that he doesn't have to finish. You're, you're like, don't bring that vo Get jack that talk crap into, out of here. into into the the Campbell household. It's not that's not it's not oh it's not allowable there. However, I mean, that, however, that, as Dwyer I, said, that's you know, folks, that's not the way men do it. He'll be back. Okay. He's a man. All right, all right. fair. Anthony Joshua doesn't need to finish, but does Rob McCracken, his trainer, need to finish? Are you or 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 just does how does Anthony Joshua rebuild? Does he just come back and and try and win the fight, or does he have to remake himself or try to remake himself the way that Emmanuel Stewart remade Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko? Turn into a more upright fighter, fight behind the jab, be yes. more cautious, be more boring. Does he have to make that transition now to really be successful going forward in the he division? Should be more upright. Without a doubt. There was moments, even in the first two rounds in which he largely controlled, they were unexciting rounds, but he controlled them with his jab. He was leaning forward a lot. Yes, be more upright. But I think the fundamental problem with him is he's a jack dude who doesn't have 12-round stamina. And I've asked him on camera about that, and he sort of gets mad, almost like, 
bro, my body is a wonderland, right? This is like, like, you know, do something about it, right? Like, come beat me. Well, somebody did come beat him. So, look, I think he should be a little bit more slim, give himself a little bit more fluidity. And because, look, even though he's a decent boxer, he's a little bit boxy and robotic, and that's the truth. But ultimately, I wouldn't panic and do everything. He got caught with a equilibrium shot in a heavyweight fight. If he would have gotten stopped by one shot in that third round, the conversation we're having now wouldn't be as long, right? I mean, it, like, it's sort of we saw him linger and try to get his legs back and not really have it, so it sort of makes him seem even worse off. I think you just go back, remembering your size difference, use that jab, be a little bit more responsible with your defense. Because one thing Ruiz did great, Rafe, you got to give him credit, stood behind his high guard. Really was got close behind those big, those big uh, meat hooks in front of his face. So you got to commit a little bit more to defense. If he was, if he fought a safe performance, like he did against Parker, and kind of boringly outboxes Ruiz for twelve rounds with the jab, we'd probably crap on him afterwards. But it's probably the best way to beat this guy, knowing his danger now. Yeah, at least the way these two match up, that is how Anthony Joshua, I think, needs to beat. Andy Ruiz, and it's a shame because last week, and this is really what I thought about Anthony Joshua, that he's at his most dangerous when he gets a little risky, when he gets a little frisky, when he goes in and 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 takes it to guys. But at this point, especially against Ruiz with fast hands and better combination punching, you you, you can't he can't do that again. Maybe he could do that against other guys who who aren't as fluid, aren't as natural in the ring, and you you encounter a lot of those guys at heavyweight, but. You got, he has to, he has to protect his chin. It has to be something that he, he, that becomes part of his strategy, part of his game plan for every fight now, I think. All right, Rafe, I gotta ask you a question. This is a, this is a tweet we got from K period at Slick Propaganda. You know this guy? Big time Hell follower yeah. of our podcast. It's, it's about Wilder's position now, cause I was gonna ask you right now, and I will ask you, your reaction to Wilder pumping out more than once, pumping out two fights, two big fights, two fights we have to see whether you love the Ortiz one or not. We got to see it. So I want to ask we you, wait, Brian, to see if if Tyson Fury or some from someone from top rank or Frank Warren confirms that fight. We can, but uh, Lance Pugmire, who I respect from the LA Times, did say he talked to both sides and the contract signed by both parties. Cop right, also great. confirmed that. But here's the the tweet from K. Period. That's like propaganda. Someone needs to talk about the zone deal that Wilder turned down. If he would have accepted it, he still wouldn't be fighting AJ because the Brazil and Ruiz fights would have happened anyway. He'd be making big money to fight bums and wait. Rafe, let's explore had Wilder taken that generational money, four fight deal, 100 million, and had he beaten Brazil on, on the zone and now this fight happened, would it really change anything? Or would it just mean that we can't see Wilder Fury 2, most likely? I guess it would mean, yes, we would be unlikely to see Wilder Fury 2. And it also would mean that we, uh, I, yeah, then Deontay Wilder fights someone like Joseph Parker. Or maybe they, they they throw him and try and get him in there with Usyk right away. They, they The one thing, there is some good depth. Or finally fights Dillian White. That guy should have been mandatory 15 times for Wilder. But the WBC keeps keeps jacking it from everywhere just because they're trying to set something up so there would it have been bad or good i look the money that 100 million can be restored if joshua wins if other things happen in the division if someone if 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 wilder's star just rises on its own and he becomes the money man but that that money may no longer exist 
in this division. Don't fall in love with money, Rafe. That no longer exists. We learned so many financial lessons from the great Richard Dwyer. To paraphrase Diddy and B.I.G., more money, more problems. I mean, he's not wrong, Rafe. Not wrong. Not wrong. Many, many. Uh, Rafe, what is your reaction, though, quickly, to Wilder announcing this? Look, when I heard Wilder Fury 2, I popped, Rafe. I popped. That's great. It's great. I, I'm Look, like, are we going camping? Because I got a tent right here. Especially because what we had been hearing was that Wilder's plan was to fight Luis Ortiz and then Adam Kownowski. Both decent fights, hard to hate, but still, while calling out all the other big guys and, and not getting those fights, it didn't sound great. Now, this is a good progression. They make the fight. I, I want to see it. The first one was amazing. It was an amazing performance by Fury to outbox and really make Deontay Wilder look bad for 10 rounds out of 12. Plus the incredible drama of that 12th round and, and just what Wilder always brings. <laughs> Man, you don't, you, you don't want to have to survive 12 rounds with that guy because he gonna, even with his flaws, he can land something eventually. And when he does that fight, it's a miracle if it's not over like it wasn't in this first one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to see it. That's great. I'm, I'm glad that it sounds real. It, before Ruiz beat Joshua, it smacked a little bit of the TV platforms and the promoters that are their boxing providers. So top rank and PBC sort of working together to make sure that whenever the big fight happens, whenever the the pot of gold Joshua Wilder fight happened at the end of the rainbow, it was going to happen not on DAZN. It seemed like the goal was just, yo, keep DAZN out of this because they are coming for something much bigger than the big fight. They're coming for our entire lunch. They want our whole business, and we cannot let them have that. That's what That was my impression of all of the announcements and the maneuvering. And look – it's uh, it's unfortunate that that affects the fights that we're going to see and probably will affect it. It's uh, going forward, even though Ruiz's upset throws a whole new wrinkle into that and and changes the all of that all of that calculus up. But that's gonna that that, that what do you what do you expect when you have a streaming platform come in? Tell them, tell the world, announce that they're killing pay-per-view, that they're killing the TV sports model, that we are the Netflix of sports. E, you know, eat a D, Disney. Wow. Eat a D, Whoa. ESPN. Eat a D, everyone. Right. We're, the- we're the new guys on the block. John Skipper is coming here, and he's got his travel case, his dot bag full of, well, you know what, and we're going to have a big sports party. Um, If that's the way they come out, then – I'm not surprised that the the legacy broadcasters are fighting back and saying, you know what? F the big fight. F you. We're just going to keep – we're going to not let this happen. And I think that's what was going on. Now, Ruiz thro- changes the whole thing. Now we don't – now that – it's all in flux, and that's great. We don't – we're not kind of stuck in the, the, the really ugly three-way standoff where they're all pointing guns at each other like the end of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Final uh, on this topic, uh, I saw an interview Wilder did with 78 Sports TV early Sunday morning on YouTube. He says the most a thing- service that I have. Yeah, <laughs> the most thing I'm mad about is he quit, brah. He quit as a champion, as a true champion, brah. If I have to turn into the bronze bomber, like I said, when I'm in the ring, I don't mean no good for nobody, brah. You're gonna have to kill me in the ring. He went on to say, but when you get a guy like that, 
and everything's given to you. You don't know how to bounce back when you have hard times, Dusty Rhodes. They just don't know how. And then you're going to go in there and quit? Out of all that ish, that was the most upsetting part about it, man. F the money. This mother effer quit. You work out effing 24 hours a day, even in your sleep, and you quit? You said no moss. You let the small guy come up and you quit, bruh. I thought it was going to be a 12-round fight at least, but he effing quit. Oh, my God, exclamation point, end quote. Rave, I thought he was exhausted and he was concussed. But I think, back to your point on what should he change, yes, get some 12-round stamina. But in light of Wilder's aggressive comments there, final, put you on stand, to Joshua Jack. No, he didn't jack. And you know who may jack someday and regret these words? Deontay Wilder may also. Or maybe he won't jack, but it'll look like he jacked. And some guy who's half as good as him will be like, he quit, he quit. Deontay Wilder is a fun personality. Half of what he says doesn't make sense. He says one thing, then he says the other. He says, I'm going to put Deont- I'm gonna put Dominic Brazil in a body bag, one for him and two for his boobs. Then after the fight, he's like, I love you, bro. I love your family. I'm so glad we made it. Like, my man, just make some sense. That's all I'm asking. Make some sense. This right. don't make any sense either. All right, lightning round through this undercard because we got to roll on and get out of here, Rafe. Co-main event, Calum Smith, early knockout of Hassan Endam. Did Calum Smith do enough potentially to get Canelo's attention? I think he had Canelo's attention. I think that Canelo wants to continue messing around with Triple G. And unless DAZN – and now, now Joshua losing – may mean DAZN pushes even harder to make Triple G Canelo 3 or Canelo Triple G 3 later this year because this is now, that is now their one rivalry that they can bank on. Yeah. Uh, but Canelo may want the Callum Smith fight. I think he already had it. I didn't think he, I don't think Callum Smith did anything to lose that attention. So we'll see what happens. We're going to ask Triple G about that shortly. Uh, Rafe, we're going to skip around here. Josh Kelly, uh, the pretty boy, the welterweight, our guy had a really tough test the first of his career against the new Ray Robinson, not, not the guy with the sugar. Uh, you know what, Rafe? He got exposed. He didn't get exposed, exposed? by getting knocked. Yeah. You ready for this? He didn't get exposed by getting knocked out. He didn't get exposed by losing, although I think he should have lost. He gets out of there with a with a majority draw. He gets one scorecard, two or draws against Ray Robinson. Here's the deal. Here's how he got exposed, Rafe. You sent me a great video. I didn't. I don't have the sound ready, but Josh Kelly basically was like, "I take a little bit of everything. I take Nas. I take Ali. I take Willie Pep. I take name every great fighter ever. Roy Jones and I mix it together. You know what he is, Rafe? He's the equivalent." Of Jason Litzow and Rafe Bartho- Rafe Bartholomew and Paulie Malinaji. When I love they, this guy. When Jason oh, wait, Litzow wait, wait, wait. and Paulie Malinaji were on Friday Night Fights level fights, they were like doing bolo punches and like outspeeding people and just doing things that like you can't do on the world level, right? Josh Kelly, if you follow his fights in England, he's spectacular. He's handsome. He's amazing. He's everything we want. Rafe, I entered with a big, big. Josh Kelly phoner, as uh, Jack Swagger would say, entering that fight. I entered. I mean, look, I, I was pro Josh Kelly coming into that fight. I'm pro boner. I was that as well. And you know what I exited saying, Rafe? He's going to get folded up in a suitcase by an elite American welterweight. Why? Because he thinks he can do that wild-ish. Could Pauli Malinaji do those wild-ish against Cotto and Zab Judah and Sean Porter and real welterweights? No. 
So Josh Kelly went out there against a credible, tough welterweight in Ray Robinson. Not a spectacular guy, but a southpaw with length who can do things. And he tried to do his quickness counter craziness. And you know what? He didn't jab. He didn't throw enough punches. And he looked like a guy who can't do that on the elite level and doesn't know how to be a regular boxer, Rafe. Yeah, I think the question is going to be, can he fight a, a winning style at the higher level? Because this wasn't it. Now, I think I do. I did think he did enough to win this fight. I just didn't think that Ray Robinson for the pressure, he was just missing everything. That aggression was not effective for most of the rounds in that fight. So Josh Kelly was good enough to make him miss and all that stuff. But it's make him miss and make him pay. And it's if you're not going to be active, if you're not going to throw, if you're not going to use a jab, if you're going to fight with your hands down, you have to have serious serious power so the, so you know that when you get one of those counters when you land it the fight is going to change right there they, they, you know how many guys have been able to do that in in our lifetimes like two three uh, like roy jones Seema med <laughs> sexy sergio in some cases yeah it, but but Kelly, we see, does not have that power, so he can't fight that way. He's got to be more active. Now, I still, he still clearly has talent. He's can, I, I think it's unfair to say he cannot figure out a way to apply that talent, uh, more consistently in a way that wins fights, but he does have to do that. If he fights this fight against, like you said, if he fights this fight against top 10, 147 pound fighters, he will lose. Yeah, I'm not, I'm just not sure about him anymore. I'm not sure. If that's the case. I'm just really not. All right. Thank you, Dwyer. That was Dwyer for everyone that was didn't know. Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the fight. Rafe, Karen Mulvaney had a, had a good tweet. This undercard and this card in general I thought was enthralling, entertaining, great. It was great. Karen tweeted out, did we just have the upset of the year, the fight of the year, and the card of the year on the same night? And what fueled this, Rafe, was that women's lightweight unification undisputed fight between Katie Taylor of Ireland, the big rising star and Delphine Pursoon of Belgium. Rafe, I was ringside for this and people killed me on Twitter for saying that this was like a women's masterpiece. This was incredible entertainment. And this was regardless of gender, a fight of the year contender in boxing in 2019. And it was like, Oh, it was sloppy as hell. You're damn right. It was sloppy as hell. Why? Because Delphine Pursoon, who none of us knew coming in, except for the real hipster said, this will actually be a test for Katie Taylor. Rafe, her style of get in your damn grill, square up and just bang made Kaylee Taylor have to fight in a way that she's not comfortable with. It was 10 rounds at two minutes apiece of absolute fury from start to finish, both bloodied in swollen eyes, and Taylor almost stopped in the 10th round. This was one of the more fun fights I've ever seen at ringside. I don't know if it translated on TV or not. In person, they were landing bombs in between that sloppiness. I love me this fight, Rafe. Talk me off the ledge. You hate women's boxing. How dare you, Brian? How dare you? How dare you say that to me of all people? Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, I, it was a good fight. It deserves to be a fight of the year contender. I, I, I don't like dirty, sloppy fighters like Delphine Pursoon. I don't, it's just too much. I think the ref should have done a better job warning her. I think Delphine Pursoon landed more elbows and shoulders than she landed clean punches. Um, and yeah, it is hard to fight someone 
if you're boxing them and they're fighting you illegally if, and and there's no ref in there to 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 kind of set things straight. Hey, Sparkle now, Lee was there, all right? Whatever her name is. Yeah, she wasn't doing a goddamn thing. Um, well, wait, I, look, wait, before you continue, look, did you not, respect that's not, that's not Pursoon's fault. It's not it's not Taylor's Taylor it's Taylor's job to deal with it better. Right. The, so do you respect she's, that Pursoon yeah. won the story of the fight and made a slick boxer have to fight that way? Yes, that 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 did happen. I also think she lost doing that. Like I think that no. Katie Taylor landed no. the good punches no. in the fight until the very end when Delphine Pursoon had like like mauled and humped her enough that she, that that, that her, <laughs> she wore down a bit. Yeah. Um to me, I I look, it's effective if you can get away with it and and she deserves credit for that. I don't like it. I, it's not what I like. And it has nothing to do with a, a man or woman. I don't like it. I didn't like, I mean, it's one thing I didn't like about Ricky Hatton. It's one thing I don't, it bothered. I don't like fighters who are really effing dirty. And I think Delphine Pursun to me crossed that, that, that line from the lip my, to the cup, in, in yeah. my opinion. And it was effective. Good for her. It was a really exciting fight. I think that's great for women's boxing. Um, I, the thing I, the, the sort of interesting thing was, uh, if for we we don't see as many big knockouts in in women's boxing, and I don't, it's there. Are, I wouldn't, I, I hesitate to to try and draw differences in physical and physicality and gender. I don't know if why, right? But if it does make a style like Pursuits extremely effective, because guys like you know you saw what happened when. Salito tried that junk against yes. Mikey Garcia. Mikey put him on his ass four times and then got his nose broken and Robert stepped in. Anyway, um, or Salito was not coming on in that fight, everyone. He was not. Um, so there, power can, can, can stop uh, a mauler like that. If there isn't the same kind of power we see in women's boxing, then Man, I, it's, that means you're always going to have 12 rounds of hell with someone like the well, pursued. Katie Taylor had, I think, only two rounds where she was able to actually create distance. And when she did, gosh, she was much quicker, much she more technical. That chick up. She was lighting her up. Now, here's the deal. I wasn't scoring this round by round. I was doing a live play-by-play blog. From my eye test, I thought Pursuit won. She dominated the last three rounds. She almost had Taylor out in that 10th. But... And I thought overall I thought she won too, but I can't go too deep into the scoring because I didn't score it round by round. And by the way, I hate every fight that we have to teach people what round by round scoring is. Do you know how much hate I got in Joshua Ruiz that I had Ruiz up by a point entering the seventh and final round? Guys, it's round by round, okay? Ruiz only gets a 10-8 for round three. He lost the first two rounds when he did nothing under that jab. He gave away the fourth round. In round five, you either liked AJ's huge hook early or the rally by Ruiz late. And then round six, Ruiz dominated and then seven, he put him away. So guess what that adds up to? AJ by one point entering the final round. Wake up, people. You score boxing round by round. I'm sick of this crap. I did not score this Pursuit Taylor fight. I thought Pursuit won. I think she deserves a rematch. It was fun. And most Katie Taylor fights, by the way, although I appreciate her style, are not fun. Yeah, I would say get get my man uh, Kenny Bayless in there, and he'll clean it up real nice. All right. Chris Algieri, Tommy Coyle was friggin' fun. Rafe, what an opener. A war. Algieri gets rocked early. Drops Coyle on a body shot, and by the way, with Darren Barker standing at ringside, Coyle had no business getting up from that body shot, and they did 10 rounds of war. Algeri moves on, probably going to chase a hooker, Rafe, for a title. 
look, good. It was super fun fight. Chris Algieri has lost a step. He's not as he's not as quick as as reflexive as he used to be. I don't think he has any chance against guys like Maurice Hooker, Jose Ramirez, the top level, the champions that he is going to be lined up to face. Uh, and good, look, good for him getting back into position to, to be credible as an opponent in one of these fights. I don't think it's going to end well for him. I think that he, he just, you know, you can visibly see that, that, that the defense that was once there, that was a real attribute for him, uh, isn't quite as sharp. And I don't think he's going to find it in time to, to, to really give one of those guys a tough fight. True. In a I mean, championship he shouldn't have been, match. he shouldn't have been the hurt scary by thing about that is Chris Algieri still has has a ton of balls, man. That guy, when he gets hurt, he just keeps coming. Like that, you, that's funny. That's one great thing about boxing is you get these pretty boys, you get guys who look like they are tough, tough gang members, and you don't know how they're gonna behave in the ring. Some guys wilt, and some guys just keep fighting. And Chris Algieri has a ton of fight in him, and he's gonna, he's gonna, be very brave in one of those fights. Yes. And I think it could get ugly, but you know what? I still, I still have so much respect for, for just, he got, you know, he got hurt bad in that second round and came right back. And, I mean, and you that mentioned, guy, guy's got balls. You mentioned he just keeps coming. That's a theme in it's his big avocado theme in his personal life as well. And he's popping cherries, taking away unbeaten records in, in his personal life in the ring. He's still a tough out. He's an attractive opponent because he's good looking and also because he doesn't have power. So he's always going to be an, he's a name. So he's always going to be an attractive B side. Interesting win there. Rafe, we got to roll on quickly. Uh, oh, Josh Boazzi, by the way, my my light heavyweight uh, pro boner on this guy. Were you into him? Did you like that? Knockout? I was into him. He's, I was, I, I was, I loved how aggressive he is. He is fun. Yes. God Body puncher. I, I don't know if he is, if he's polished enough, if he'll be able to box with the Beavols, with the Vozdiks, even with Kovalev. But man, he goes after it. It was almost, I was watching it thinking like it was a, even of course he's a different, different kind of athlete, different, um, yeah, like, like doesn't, it, it, there are a lot of differences, but his aggression, the way he just was going to attack Parabon at all times with big shots. I was thinking like, wow, this is like light heavyweight, you know, more explosive Maidana type stuff. I don't think he has that power, but just the way he was hungry to beat the crap out of yes. someone. I was He's athletic like, oh, wow. from Akragana, which we know guys from there can bang and, uh, and fight and, He's great. He's got, I think, uh, AJ is his manager, by the way. So, uh, there's the AJ connection right there. Let's, by the way, how about that AJ Drake, uh, tweet? AJ putting out a t picture of him and Drake and saying, I'm going to break the curse. And then you got, you got cursed, brother. Wow. Wow, Rafe. I know you don't like pop culture stuff like that. It's lame. It's cheesy. It's more for like the ringer. Brian, I wanted to ask you, Brian, if you wanted to compare the heavyweight division to Game of Thrones, how Stop who would be there? Stop Can you it. do that for me, Brian? Stop I love pop it. culture. Stop it. Rafe. Let's talk about this briefly. Holy crap in the PBC, your backyard, San Jacinto, California, FS1. Ivan Redcock stretched that man's anus. Devin Alexander sent to hell in the sixth round. Three knockdowns. The fight is over. Did not see this coming in. Even though we acknowledge that Alexander at 32 is not the same, we figured he can beat guys at this level who are blown up 40s, let alone making his welterweight debut. And we thought Devin Alexander was going to end up being a B-side for like a, I don't know, a Sean Porter or a Spence or something, right? No. Sent to hell. Big win for Redcock. And Rafe, how about Ray Boom Boom Mancini 
trying his best to summon from the dead the great Emmanuel Stewart of this fame. Ray Mancini, holy crap, Rafe, during that main event. Wrong one, this one. And then on that finish, oh my goodness, Rafe, I know I've got that somewhere. Do I have that? Where are you? Are you with me, Ray? I do have it. Here it comes. Rafe, what is happening here? So uh the other sound I played by accident, on this undercard there were two heavyweights, Rodney Harrison and an eight-round bout knocked out on a ride, a Laramie. I'm way off on that name. Anyway, here's Mancini's call, two fights earlier to open the broadcast. Jim, what is this? He's doing the. It ain't going much longer. Ow! Ow! My God, Rafe! Rafe, what is happening here? Dig it again, Rafe! Dig it again! Dig Dig it again, brother! Look, I think I I would have liked to see some some just send some of that emotion to New York and put it on the the, the zone broadcast where they did a good job, but it was very sort of cool, calm, and collected, almost like. Wow, what the heck is happening? How do we even make sense of this? Which is how a lot of people probably felt watching that fight. But the going crazy like that needs to match the moment. Emmanuel Stewart did it in insane, crazy wars with great fighters or very good fighters, fight of the year candidates or winners like Berto Ortiz won round seven or Jirov Tony, like big, important fights in their divisions that also created incredible action and back and forth. I mean, it was it, – it, so this wasn't that for me, uh, and I'm not popping quite as hard for it. I, I do th- – I am – I am, however, Brian, I think that PBC is doing something that you called for, and they might as well just brand it because then people will get behind it. Right now, you see a fight like Alexander Redkak on the on the – on the schedule and you're like, Oh God, really? Do, is this, is this really happening? Do I, do I really have to watch my friend host the face to face between these guys? Oh, stop um, that. Stop I love that. your face to faces, Brian. You've my my grandma, them. rest in peace, loves them. She watches Fox every day. You've never um, seen them. Um, <laughs> Brian, but the PBC has this second division sort of, of Taylor, uh, 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 of, of Redcock versus Alexander fights and, Trout versus Gaucher, oh, that's not a perfect example, but that, that realm of the PBC, that is the washed contender that you called for. They just need to brand it. They need to put it together, make a tournament, <laughs> and give us this washed contender, because they have all the washed contenders. They did it with Figueroa and Molina. They have couple, have Figueroa and Molina, Molina in, in, well, more like washed showcase fights on the Pacquiao undercard, but give it, they, they're already doing it. Package it. Give it to us. Make it make it work. Because if you brand it, if you package it as washed contender, oh, we'll get in there for that. But if you just have these guys headlining cards like like they're important fights in boxing, no, it don't work that way. Hey, but what a finish. You gotta give Ivan Redcotch credit. I mean that the first knockdown, 
he caught Alexander flush. Alexander went face down where you thought the fight was going to be over. <laughs> yeah. He kept getting up, and then it was just sloppy from there. Big he win. He caught him for- with a move he learned from a cockfight. Is that a big win for Red Codge or what? No? No. No, all right. Hey, did no, you see not a big win. your boy Weometh Menthin, whatever the guy's name is, he's 53 oh, now. Yeah, he Dwarf won. Giant. Finally Dwarf won. Giant is he fighting that right. guy again next week? Probably. All right, if we got to roll on, the shout-out to Ray Bumo Mancini there. All right, let's throw it to Jerry Cooney, the great heavyweight contender. Got a great story. Check it out. Give it some. Give it a listen here. Coming your way right now. Dig it. All right, you know I'll get fired up when we bring legends on the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. I got one right here. Gentleman, Jerry Cooney, the great heavyweight contender, champion in and out of the ring. My man, Jerry, fired up to have you on here. Really excited about this upcoming project with your book. How's everything going? Thanks for joining us, man. Oh, you know, it's great to be with you guys. You, you and and I, I, listen, I'm excited about the book. I, it's long overdue. I've been meaning to sit down and, and, and get it out, what it was like, what happened, what's it like now, and the great experiences and life uh, experiences and getting knocked down and getting up and dusting off your pants and moving on. And that's what we decided, I decided to do a few years ago. And I sat down with John Grady and we got it done. And it's a, it's a very exciting book. June 12th, it comes out. You can buy it on Amazon.com, many other places where you can find books. Gentleman Jerry, a contender in the ring, a champion in recovery. Now, Jerry, when you bear all, when you put it all on paper, so to speak, is there any nervousness? Is there a, what are you feeling when you enter that process? It was a great life. I got to tell you something, Mike. Hung out with Frank Sinatra, Bob Hope. I've been to all around the world. I trained. I sparred with so many great fighters and learned a lot about my life and you know, where I came from. I grew up in a, in a, a big Irish Catholic family. My father was a, a big drinker, and we learned a lot of negative. You weren't no good enough. Don't trust nobody. Don't tell nobody your business. Don't trust nobody. And that was a terrible message that he got as a kid, but he should never have passed it on to us. And unfortunately, I got that. And so I had a hard time uh, finding my way, but I found my way, and I walked the walk, and I, like I said, I got dropped down. I fell down a couple of times, made some mistakes, you know, hurt some women, and got hurt myself, and I moved on. I had a great career, a lot of great fights. Uh, the biggest fight that I, I regret the most was, uh, well, you know, honestly, you know, when I fought Larry Holmes uh, in 1981, May 11th, 1981, I knock out uh, Kenny Norton in 54 seconds of the first round. And you think that night I would have said, well, I better start taking care of myself. I got to have a fight for the championship against Larry Holmes. I got to take care of myself, get a good trainer. That's not what happened. I think the the pressure kind of got to me, and I started to drink, and it, it soothed the pain. And little do we know, it was, a, it was a devil in disguise. And 13 months later, I fought Holmes, not in the best of shape. And I got stopped in the 13th round, and uh, there she has it, you know. And I uh, picked myself up and, and, and got myself together and uh, have a great, great life today. Yeah, I think fans are really going to enjoy, like, going behind the scenes. I mean, it's always interesting. We love and respect fighters so much. And to get to see the mental side of it behind the scenes and being how open you are here in sharing your ups and downs. Like you just said, that knockout of Norton, you're on top of the world. It was brutal, but maybe – you didn't put your best foot forward in preparation for the biggest fight of your life because there's a battle. There's a battle going on, I would think, just to get in the ring and be this brave to do this as a living. So I love that you're putting it all out there because people have to realize, Jerry, I mean, 
This fight against Holmes, this was this was a major ordeal. This was <laughs> this was front page not just of the sports section. This was like front page of that weekend entertainment around the world. This is so much bigger mm-hmm. than even the bigger heavyweight fights we can make nowadays. Well, you know, and and that's so true, and and it is, uh, you know, life goes on, and we and we and we find our way, we make mistakes, and do we correct them? Do we stand back up, or do we keep going back? And like I, I tell a story about how I got up, got dressed, walked down the street, I fell in the hole, and I got out, banged up my leg. I could, next day I go about my day. Next day I get up, I get dressed, I walk down the street, I fall in the hole again, and that's what life can be—a repetition like that until we find a different path to take until we take a different route. And that's what this book is all about, is about the rise and fall and rise of Jerry Cooney and, and uh, what happened. And, and uh, listen, man, I, I, uh, I fought some of the greatest guys. I, you know, I, I've been to places I dreamt of. And, and so, listen, the fight game is big. Life is bigger. What and, did, uh, I'm sort of interested. I mean, it's such a, it's a great journey to really unpack and unfold and life is, no matter what profession, no matter where you are, no matter your situation, life is such a, a battle. I mean, that's why I think we love boxing so much. It's such a mirror of real life. For you to write this book and be this honest and have this understanding of recovery, you've come through so much. Was the, When was the period in your you know post-career adult life where you sort of came to terms with everything and was able to sort of realize your mistakes in the past and, and find that true healing? Well, you know, I always wanted to do it, and it just wasn't the right time. And and I got the incentive. I wanted to relive it all, relive it again, and go through it, and and, and feel those feelings, and and the freedom I have from doing it, just the freedom from walking through the process and and looking looking it over again and get it down on paper, and maybe I can help somebody else out there. I mean, I would love to take a fighter sometime to the championship where he doesn't make those mistakes, where I can. You know, I, I get, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed enough today that I get a chance to help a lot of people in their lives and about how to not keep making those mistakes. And that's really, you know, for me, that's a, a very powerful um, statement. And also, I want to bring a guy to the championship, and I want him to win the championship. Now, listen, I also was not born at nighttime, so I had a couple of managers that couldn't stand each other. So I had one watch the other, and I saved my money. But most guys are not afforded that luxury. And so I, I took care of that side of it. And so I didn't have to, you know, uh, really, you know, a lot of guys I've, I've seen in my life, they really struggle in life after boxing. And they, they, they turn away from boxing. I love boxing. I'm on Sirius XM every Monday, every Friday, Channel 156 with Randy Gordon, uh, my partner and ex-commissioner, uh, doing Monday and Friday night the fights. I'm, I'm live in the game. I go to all the fights. I'm going to see Joshua this weekend. I'm, I'm busy in the game. I love this game where most fighters that after they go through the game and get disenchanted and, and screwed and robbed, they stay away from the day. They cover themselves up. And there was a period I went through that. But there's a time when you got to turn the page and get on with your life. And that's what Gentleman Jerry 
is all about. Yeah, and, and it's great to hear that there, that there can be, you know, happy endings in this brutal sport. There's so many times we don't see that. To hear you with the great commissioner, Randy Gordon, uh, you know, two times a week on radio is great. Love the work you guys do on the show. You're at all the big fights, especially around the New York City area. How much do you, are you enjoying the idea of sort of being a fight analyst these days, interviewing the big names, giving your opinions on the fights, making that transition from athlete to analyst? Well, I love the game, and I've always loved the game. I watch it. I know the fighters. I know the styles. I know the skills. I know who has the courage, who's the front runner. And so I can break the fight down. I mean, I'm going today. I'm going into the garden. I'm getting picked up at 145 to go in to break down the heavyweight division with Madison Square Garden. So I'm really blessed that something I really love that I get a chance to do. I have a gym. I opened up a gym, uh, Jerry Cooney's Boxing Academy in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. I get to teach it to kids and to adults and grown-ups. My own kids can fight. They know how to fight. Not that they're going to fight, but they're in college and they're, they're very great kids. And listen, I want to be available to get the message out. You need help, come see me. We can, we can make the changes. I love it. And you mentioned the heavyweight division today, Jerry. You're all over it. We're in a bit of a renaissance. Oh, maybe, look, maybe these guys aren't all-timers. We're going to find out when they finally fight each other. But I say renaissance because the intention, the attention and the excitement is back on the division. We can't wait to see, of course, Anthony Joshua's debut in the U.S. this weekend. We're coming off a big Deontay Wilder knockout. Tyson Fury's coming back on the horizon. Outside of the fact for a second that we're a little upset that they're not fighting each other, what do you think of this group overall, which of course also includes Luis Ortiz, Alexander Usyk, sort of from the idea of like, wow. we got players again. It is a great division. There used to be a time when the heavyweight division held up boxing. That doesn't happen anymore. We have great light heavyweights, middleweights, welterweights, bantamweights. You just can't believe how deep these talents are. These divisions are deep in talent. You got six, seven, eight great fighters in all the divisions. We got Europe coming over to America with the zone. We have Bob Aaron with ESPN Plus. We have, you know, Joe DeGuardia. We have Showtime. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. And yes, it's frustrating, but there's also guys like, uh, Joe Joyce, who's nine and oh, who just knocked out Ortiz himself. You got Joseph Parker, who's a champion who's, Dillian White, Andy Ruiz was fighting Joshua this weekend. You have a lot of great guys that, that's in this division that we're going to see. And you mentioned Usyk. Usyk is a phenomenal fighter. And I think he can do well in the heavyweight division because he's a, that good a fighter. And uh, so I'm real, I'm real excited about it. I tell people all the time, would you do me a favor? On your computer screen, would you put in boxing scene or max boxing or ESPN boxing and follow the top stories because boxing is big again. For some reason, I think when Don King was around in my day, he kept me out. I was fighting once a year in my heyday. Now that's because I wouldn't sign with him and he didn't want me to gain the experience so that when I had a shot to fight Holmes, who does agree, had I waited another year, maybe for Mike Weaver first, I had a good shot at beating him. I was kept out in the cold. I didn't have the experience to fight him. And so that's all changed now. Now, the only problem is making these three big organizations come together and put the big fights on. I believe it's going to happen. I believe boxing is bigger than ever, and I'm so excited to be on your show and in boxing. Absolutely. And whether, Jerry, whether it's on your radio show, my podcast, wherever people are talking, barbershops, wherever people are debating about boxing, 
we're talking about, okay, we got these three unbeaten names, Fury, Wilder, Joshua. Yeah, we also have Usyk, Luis Ortiz, a couple other that we mentioned. But we debate which guy would be the last man standing if and when they all face each other. Do you feel like you have an understanding of which guy is currently the best out of that group? I'm so glad you asked me that question, and I'm so glad to be on you today. And, yes, listen, Deontay Wilder, whoever he hits with the right hand is going out. Wow. Um, Tyson Fury is so awkward. He made Klitschko look terrible that night. He made Wilder look terrible. I thought he beat Wilder in that fight. Agreed. Anthony Joshua is the guy, the real guy. He's over in the, on the other side, of, on the other pond over there in England. But he puts in 80, 90, 100,000 people in the stadium. And he has a, a great amateur pedigree. He's fought everybody that he can fight. He wants these guys. They all want each other. It's just, I think in the long run, I think the best guy right today is Anthony Joshua. He's a, he's a complete guy. Now, Tyson Fury gives him trouble all the time. Tyson Fury gives Wilder trouble all the time. So it's, it's going to be great when it does happen. I just hope it's not going to be in five years because then at yes. that time I'm going to be bored and I'll probably <laughs> be too old to watch. Uh, we mentioned Fury there, and when you look at the skills he brings, now look, he's six foot nine. He switches stances. He's got insanely long arms. There's quickness and craft that we don't see as much in today's heavyweight game. Is that craft, though, do you think it's historic from the idea of putting that level of speed and technique in a body that size? Or are you more of the belief that had he come around 30, 40 years ago, he would have been another guy? No, I think he has a style that's so uncomfortable. My problem is to watch Wilder fight Tyson Fury. If I'm fighting Tyson Fury, I am going to get to the body. I am going to get inside and break a couple of ribs in there during the course of my fight with him. But they don't do it anymore. The amateurs stopped with the body punches. So no one, it's all head hunting. We, we need all these great trainers who Eddie Fudge, Victor Valley, Gil Clancy, they all passed on. And now these young kids are coming in teaching a watered down version of boxing. If you can go online sometime and watch, uh, go on Instagram and, 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 and tune into Jerry Cooney, I'm teaching kids the real body. I had a great teacher. And I'm teaching kids and adults how to protect themselves, how to be most powerful, and how to be safe. That's boxing. Right now, people, uh, you know, it's like the story. If I have a tire on my car and I take care of it, I'm going to get 80,000 miles out of it. If I don't, I'm going to get 30,000 miles out of it. And that's what's happened to boxing. No one's teaching fake boxing anymore. It's a watered-down version. They're getting hit with right hands all night long, hit with jabs. They can't get out of the way. So... Hopefully, I believe, with myself and a couple other good teachers that are there, we're going to bring the game back to where it's supposed to be, where these guys are going to be safe and nothing safe and powerful. That's the whole game. Safe, powerful, and stay talented and stay brave. That's the game. Well, considering the fact that, you know, you were obviously a a huge puncher, one of the biggest in heavyweight history, and you were a solid 6'7", but you had the technique, you had all those skills you mentioned that were taught – at every boxing gym, at every corner, back when you were a youngster coming up, what would Jerry Cooney do in today's heavyweight game? Prime Jerry you know Cooney. I would love, you know, there's nobody, nobody coming in, working the body. In order to get to the, the hip will fall if you take the body. You got to use your jab. Listen, it's converted southpaw. I love that left jab. That's our left jab. You got to step to the right, get inside, 
bang the body a couple of times before you hold on or get back out again. That's how boxing is. You got to have a plan. You got to make uh, adjustments. You got to, you know, you watch a guy like um, um, Demetrius Andre or or um, Errol Spence or those guys. They they're complete fighters. Right. Now, there's not teachers out there. Those guys are gifted, and they have good teachers. But they're not. There's not enough of those guys out there. We have to teach the next, the last, what the last generation did. And we're not getting that right now. And so we need to see that. And I, listen, I would love to be in a fight game today. I'm healthy. I'm 31 years without a drink, uh, sober. Uh, I feel great. I'm still boxing. I'm 62. I will be fighting June 8th at the W Hotel in Hoboken in a fundraiser where we raise $130,000 a year with Michael Nestor and Mark Septembre and the YCS uh, consultation services for kids. And I keep, I'm still in shape to box. And I'd love to get in there with you sometime. Yeah. Oh, come on. You don't, you want to put that pain <laughs> on me, gentlemen, Jerry. Come on. How dare you? No, love to Let's hear I'll you. Make, I'll, make, I'll well, make you look good for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> You'll carry me for just a bit. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm 40. I'm a little bit washed, Jerry. I'm trying to get in the gym myself, but great to hear you're, you're, you're staying in shape. You're still going to be oh, yeah. putting on the gloves. All right. We got to talk about this Holmes fight, 1982. Biggest fight of your career. Yes, you get stopped in the 13th round, but man, did you make Larry work? You got off of the canvas early. Let's talk first just about this event. Like, can you even try to put into perspective how big this fight was back then? I mean, it felt like it's bigger than Mayweather Pacquiao when you go back and you, you see the celebrities wow. present, two unbeaten heavyweights in the idea back in 82. I mean, boxing was still boxing. Yeah. Now, listen, I was invited to a party at Caesars Palace with Larry Holmes Everybody from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, everybody I ever wanted to meet was there, Barbara, just everybody at a party for Holmes and I. That was so phenomenal. That was the fight game back then. You know, they had a, they had a plane waiting for me if I won. The president had a phone in my room if I had won the championship. She had a couple more rounds. I could have talked to President Reagan back then. <laughs> it was a different game. You know, we, we got to, we got to um, know that we knew everybody. Now it's like, we're starting to get re, you know reacquainted with all the fighters, and a lot of them are from Europe. We don't know them. We haven't seen them. And so, you know, it's just going to take a little while to correct itself and come back. But listen, don't by any chance think that boxing is dead. It is so large right now, and I'm so grateful to be in this game because we're going to see a lot. Of, listen, Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, you got Lomachenko. I mean, you got, uh, you know, Canelo Alvarez oh, yeah. and Cattolo brothers. I mean, it's just... You know, it's 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 a phenomenal what we're going to be facing in the next couple of years. You know, it certainly helps that these fights are on Fox. I love what the PBC is doing, and you know, the build to your fight with with Holmes, Jerry. I mean, like it, it was everybody knew about it. People couldn't wait, but there was sort of that nasty side. Look, it's not the first time. It's not the last time somebody's going to use the idea of race to hype a fight and get people hypersensitive. But you know, Don King was a big part of this, and they played you up as the great white hope in the build to this fight. How much, how much were you knowledgeable of that and felt that as either a positive or a negative? Listen, I had five or six guys I grew up with and we stayed in training camp together and we had the life that you couldn't imagine. Was I ever supposed to experience that? Not that I knew and they, and not them as well. So we didn't really pay attention to it. Now, I don't know if I know Don King was involved. He wanted to make as much money as he could. I don't know if my managers, my management team was, I really have no idea. 
But listen, I had a great time. I mean, it was, was it distasteful? Yeah. Holmes was really angry because he wasn't getting the attention he deserved. And, and rightly so. I mean, he came up after Ali, and Ali was this bigger-than-life kind of guy. And Larry Holmes was more reserved, a great fighter, top three in history, I believe, right now. And so he was angry, which made me angry. And all I cared about that night was I wanted to hit him with one left hook. That's why I, I was so angry. And then him and I are in the center of the ring. Mills Lane are giving us instructions. And Larry looks at me and says, hey, Jerry, let's have a good fight. So he knew it wasn't about me, and I knew it wasn't about him. And we went out and fought that night. And he was a better man. He had a lot more experience. He knew what he was doing. He was patient. Uh, I heard him a few times, and he uh, covered up well. And, you know, listen, that's the game. Uh, I wish I had five or six more fights before I had a shot with him. But my management wanted to make the big payday. That was their end of the line for them. They wanted to make that big $10 million payday instead of giving me the experience I needed. And so when I got in there with home, I had a better shot. Yeah, no no question about it. And you, you look, you fought well, you fought brave. When guys are in a fight that important, and this was a physical one, you mentioned you hurt him, he dropped and hurt you. Sometimes I see these guys become brothers for life from the experience. I always reference Gotti Ward. They became best friends. What's it like when you see the great Larry Holmes today? Is there that kinship and brotherhood that you experience something together? Listen, I'm still trying to get in the, the rematch, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're the best of we're the best of friends, and we get together 12, 15 times a year. I'm going to Canada with him in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, uh, we 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 make appearances in casinos. We, he comes to my charity. I go to his charities. And listen, we know each other. You know, we, we know it was all a story. Everyone was make, building this fight up, but it was about the two of us, and we weren't about that. And and so we're good friends. We talk to each other a couple times a week. He's got a big golf outing coming up soon. I make sure I get to it every, you know, every year and raise money for his cause. And listen, we're passing through life. We, you know, we're here for a minute. Yeah. You know, we're here for a minute and, and we got to really grab it now and hold on to it and make the best of it. I tell everybody, listen, live life to the fullest. Yeah, you got to work hard and you can play hard. Make a plan, you know, get a, get away with your family. You know, go do things you always dreamt of doing because we're here for a minute. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad I'm, I'm close to God and I, I you know, but listen, I, I want to live to the fullest. And, and God gave me that right, and I'm taking it and running with it. Such a great attitude. I, I, I love it so much. Jerry, though, if you were coming up today at 6'7", they probably would have put a basketball in your hands, though. Let's be honest here. Did you have any nah, game you know on what? the hardwood? You know, I never played basketball. I did beat the seniors when I was a junior in my high school with two other guys, but they said we were foul and we were rough and rough too much. <laughs> I, was a, I was a rough player. So, but, but anyway, listen, I love fighting from when I was 16 – I was boxing for six months. I went into the New York State Golden Glove Championships, six foot four, 160 pounds, and I knocked out five of the seven fights I had to win the middleweight championship. And you know what that did to me? It helped me express the anger I felt from where I grew up. Yeah. And they put my picture on the back page of the Daily News every fight, and it was like, wow, that, it made me. It made me. It made me feel like somebody. And that's how I became a fighter. Fighting is a tough sport. You got to get up every day at five in the morning, run five, six miles a day. You got to go to the gym. You got five or six big sparring partners looking to kick your ass every day. 
And, you know, day in and day out. But while it works, that magic works. I mean, I tell people all the time, it's like a tunnel vision where I can create the openings without the other person knowing just from watching him. And then you land the shot and you have your facial smile to yourself mm-hmm. that you made it happen. And then you watch the expression on your opponent's face change that you got him. And that's, there's no, nothing bigger than that in boxing and in the world, one, in my opinion. And you had one hell of a career. I mean, the stats are great. 28 and three, 24 KOs. I mentioned you being known historically as one of the better punchers and heavyweight over the years. When did you know, Jerry, at what point did you know you had fight changing power that, you know, maybe this is a thing I should be doing full time. About six months ago. <laughs> Listen, you know, as a fighter, you don't really realize the professional athletes are just stronger than everybody else. And years ago, I had this brother-in-law who wanted to race me, wanted to wrestle, wanted to box me. And one night, I wasn't in a great mood. And his, my, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, was watching us. And every time I grabbed him, I slapped him on the floor, like three times in less than a minute. And my wife was like, she was amazed. And that's when I started to realize that, listen, we just have stronger powers. And I broke a lot of ribs in my life. Not mine, others. And, uh, and I'm, we're just stronger people. And, and it's a gift we have for a moment. And you gotta, I tell people today, listen, go with it. Don't mess it up. Don't be screwing around. Like I told Riddick Bo years ago, take six years of your life dedicated to boxing. Then you can do and be anything you want to be. He didn't take advantage of that, but I want to give that to somebody going forward. Well, I'm already inspired, fired up just hearing it in your voice, Jerry. Can't wait to check out this book. I encourage all of our listeners as well. Gentleman Jerry, a contender in the ring, a champion in recovery, on sale June 12th. Hey, head to Amazon.com right now, right? Put in that pre-order. Make this happen. Let's go. Great story from the bottom to the top. Jerry, it's great to hear you, man. Healthy, happy, living the dream. Listen, love you, bro, and thank you. And I, I like to come on anytime you want me to come on. Thank you to all your listeners for out there. Check out that book. You're going to love it. Thanks so much. Thanks, pal. All right, Rafe, we're back. Rafe, there's good people in boxing once in a while. You, you dig through the dirt of the media, of the people. of the. There's some great people. Jerry Queen's a great dude. You ever You ever go up and down the road with him? I've got look he I Jerry Cooney I mean I it's great that he is talking about alcoholism and 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 defeating that disease. I remember as a kid they used to bring him in McSorley's all the time. He was a regular in, around McSorley's. They'd always promote him there and stuff. Yeah. I there's pictures of Cooney on the wall at the bar. So yeah, he he he's he he is one of and he's such a nice dude at fights. Even when he doesn't know you, he's just grabbing you and be like, "Hey, champ, what do you think of the fight?" <laughs> like he he's awesome. He's, uh, he he really embodies the the you know ex fighter gregarious life of the you know life of the party even when, even when he's not drinking. And look, uh, the gentleman nickname sticks for this guy. Great dude. Great to hear that there's a success story. There's no happy endings in boxing, as we said many times, unless you're hanging out with Floyd after the fight. So ultimately, he saved his money, although he had a disappointing end to his career, fought through alcoholism. Now he's back doing what he loves, doing the radio show, spreading the good word, wants to get into training fighters. Great to hear. Wish him a lot of luck and thank him for the time. That's a book I'd check out. I love, I love me some boxing stories, man. That's why every, every new movie is about boxing lately. That's how it goes right there, Rafe. Do you ever have a pint with him? At the McSorley's or no? 
I was a little young for that. Yeah, that was probably back in his drinking days. All right, Rafe, let's get into weekend do you care time. Rafe, do you care about this weekend at all? I do care. There's there's one gentleman, one Gennadiman who I care about as always. All right, it starts Friday night. No TV, sadly. There's got to be a stream of some kind. Verona, New York, Hall of Fame weekend. Cantastota, Rafe. I love Canastota, Brian. Hello. I'm a boxing fan. It's not the same guy. You did it again. You it's did not it again. the same guy. I mean, look him up. If you don't know who he is, look him up. Thank you. Um, Zab Judah. respect on Sergei Kovalev <laughs> yeah, when sure. you use his quotes. Seriously. Wow. Sergei Kovalev. Uh, Zab Judah, Cletus Seldon, Rafe. We haven't seen Zab Judah in a long time. I'm in for this. What is he, like 40? He's a man? Come after him? Is he, is he only 40? This is a junior welterweight matchup against the Hebrew hammer Cletus Selden. I think Zab Judah has been like working in like a nursing home lately or something. Like I'm serious. Like I think he's been doing I like, know, a, I saw. Yeah, I remember like a regular job. He's 41, Rafe. I love me some Zab Judah. Man, that's, that's actually younger than I would have expected. I feel like Zab was fighting when I was in high school and I was really, uh, that's when I was into him when I was like, oh man, this guy's slick. He's awesome. I didn't know his real name was Zabdiel. That's his real name. Um, we haven't seen him. He did fight in January of last year in Calgary, of all places. Fought a guy you never heard of. He fought the January before that against a guy you never heard of. But there was a f- three and a half year break between when he lost the lineal Brooklyn championship to Paulie Malignaggi. Remember they used to have like a belt? Like that was garbage. Anyway, Rafe, um, I'm here for this. Uh, do you have a, one, one Zab Judah favorite memory or nothing? Well, my favorite Zab Judah memory isn't his favorite memory. It's uh, it's him getting knocked out by Costa Zoo and doing the funky That's the chicken true. leg dance. My favorite Zab Judah memory was when you and I and Eric Raskine. Oh, that was awesome. 2015 Cotto Canelo weekend. We went to the HBO Latino party at the Mandalay Bay, and we had drinks with Zab. And I told him, you had no business rallying in the second half against Danny Garcia. And I said, your best win in boxing was the loss you had against DSG because you showed that veteran heart. Rafe, he liked that story. At first, he gave me that look like, are you about to insult me? Do I have to share a two-piece with you? But it, it was a good ending. It was a happy ending in boxing. Thank you. Let's get out of here, Rafe. Also on that undercard, do you care about Buddy McGirt Jr., considering that his father, the great trainer and fighter, Buddy McGirt, is going in the Hall of Fame? He's fighting against David Papat. You don't care. Let's go Saturday night, Reno, Nevada, ESPN. Title fight in the main event, the real ESPN, Rafe. Oscar Valdez is back. Defending his WBO featherweight title against Jason Sanchez. I care. I like Oscar Valdez. I know he's in the wings waiting for Carl Frampton to come back, and maybe they set that up as a title fight. That's, I like that fight a lot. We're moving in that direction. I don't know if we need to be building Oscar Valdez another sort of get-back fight. Didn't he have a get-back fight at the end of last year yes. against some dude? Uh, and this is another dude that I expect him to beat pretty easily. I'd like to see him in a in a slightly stiffer test but look Valdez is a lot of fun he always even even when he's in against guys who he knocks out eventually he often makes it he he had some drama he gets his bell rung real quick comes back and not and beats the crap out of a guy he's always fun I'm always in on some Valdez yeah man indeed uh fun fights Gabriel Flores Jr. Salvador Brasino, lightweights, co-main, we don't care. But Michael Seals is back, the light heavyweight against Christopher Brooker. Remember he was in that war on PBC, Michael Seals against Edwin Rodriguez? You don't remember that? Oh, I do remember that war. He's that guy who fought Edwin Rodriguez. No, I still don't care. All right, Saturday night into zone, we do care. Madison Square Garden, the great Triple G, the former middleweight champion, is back. And he's also back on the show right now. Yes, Triple G coming at you. Enjoy. (laughs) 
Gennady Golovkin, my man. How's it going, brother? Everything is good, Brian. Good to hear you. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, great to hear your voice. Congratulations on the new deal with the zone. We can't wait to see you back this Saturday, June 8th, of course, the Garden against Steve Rolls. How you feeling, Gennady, after signing this deal and now you know where your future is headed? Yeah, I feel great. I feel great. I feel like a young guy. You know, just I, you're right. I have a new deal with the zone. Thank you. And you know, I have a new fight. Probably I have a good fight, good plan for future. Like six fights or six fights. No, I'm very happy. That's great. When you were talking to the different networks, what was the most important part of the DAZN deal that made you want to sign with them? Everything. Everything. DAZN, he gave me biggest chance, you know, biggest points and everything. You know, not like a SPN or somebody. Just DAZN is DAZN. DAZN is number one. No question about it. Big couple months for DAZN, of course. We saw Anthony Joshua over the weekend. We saw Canelo Alvarez, your old rival, before that against Danny Jacobs. We saw you in the crowd, all smiles. What did you think about that Canelo Jacobs fight? Oh, Brian, come on. I don't want talking about this. Yes, it is a long time ago. I think it's a very boring fight. You know, just like a regular fight. Like a sparring, yeah, I like good quality of sparring, you know, just, it's not action, not drama show, not war, not nothing, you know, just. Uh, I love it. I love Gennady. It's almost like you have a more spicier, outgoing personality these these days. You're willing to say things even if they aren't the nicest. No, I talk true, you know, if you... Yeah, if you want. Oh, like, okay. I right now I speak like a boxing fan. You know, last couple of fights is it's horrible for me. You know, just because I know like a ball fighters. You know, why not? Yeah, I'm with you on there. Let's talk about your return against Steve Rolls. You said yourself when you signed it, you didn't know a lot about him. After watching some tape, what did you learn? No, I don't see. Uh-uh. I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, I know just first of all, for me, he's professional athlete, professional boxer. You know, he's undefeated. I remember my situation, like, you know, like him, like biggest chance, biggest fight, Madison Square Garden, New York, like, uh, I don't know. It's a lot for me. And I understand this is serious business. Do you feel any pressure to make a big statement? I'm talking about an early knockout, a big drama show to get the attention of Canelo, to get the attention of everybody that you're back. No, I, no, I don't feel... Uh, it's, I understood... This business right now, boxing business. I know I need to win this fight. That's it. This is my first step. 
I want to, you know, like a, I have a, like six flights, you know, just step by step. This is my first step. All right. If you're going to do six fights at your age, you're going to have to be busy. We've seen you in the past fight every three months back in your HBO days. How busy do you want to be now late in your career? You know, I want to stay busy, you know, just if you possible, like maybe, you know, June my first fight, September my second fight, and probably like January, my third fight, like, you know, just, I can't right now just so correct because, you know, every, every fight is different, it's difficult, maybe, you know, nobody knows, maybe after first fight I feel like, you know, I don't know, like, uh, Broken hands or something like big cat, cut. Nobody knows. I want to stay busy. Yeah, I, I think the fans want that as well. And of course, we know the big news was you bringing on a new trainer, Jonathan Banks. We've seen the work he did with Vladimir Klitschko. What was it about him that made you want to team up together? No, Brian, I, I don't have a lot of time with him just. No, last two weeks, and those are, he's completely different guy. You know, he he's dealing for boxing. He's completely different. He's young. He's had good experience from, you know, with, he worked with uh, like old guys like me. Uh, you know, with Vladimir, <laughs> and he had good experience with Emmanuel Stewart from Detroit School in Okrong. For sure. I like this new, you know, it's new new situation for me, you know. I learn a lot. Now, Gennady, sometimes when you get a new coach, that new coach has his own style. It might be an offensive style, defensive style. What is Jonathan hoping to bring to you from his own style? Are we gonna see an even more aggressive Gennady Golovkin than before? Yeah, he you know he bring a little bit different. Yeah, I feel right now like I you know like a hybrid, like a mix. You know, from my Mexican style, my Kazakhstan school style. And right now he's from Detroit. He bring Detroit style. You know, we coming to New York. You know, like I feel like a hybrid right now. He's a superhero. <laughs> Superhero indeed. You got the triple G across the chest instead of the S there. Now, Gennady, every time we interview you, we got to talk about that guy, Canelo. Do you get sick of talking about that guy, Canelo? Okay. <laughs> All right, Gennady. You're going to fight him for a third time this fall or what? We want it. You want it. But Canelo's talking Callum Smith, maybe this guy, maybe that guy. How do you get Canelo into the ring in September? Brian, listen. doesn't matter what talking Canelo. Canelo, he's a fighter. He's not promoter. He's not manager. He's not. He's nothing. He's a fighter. You know, he's not partner for the zone. You know, he's just regular fighter. That's it. It's not serious. If you had to guess, are you going to fight him next, you think? In September? Yeah, I'm available. I'll be there. You're going to do it? I think so. Yeah. All right. I love it. 99%. 99%. Just got to get through Steve Rolls. I love it. I want to ask you this yeah, serious course, question. Yeah, he, he, of course, if I beat Steve Rolls, yeah, 
you know, 99%. All right. Answer this serious question for me, Gennady, because I've watched you. I've interviewed you for years. After the two Canelo fights, you were understandably angry about the decisions. And by the way, I thought you won both, so I'm on your side. I felt like... Every time you did an interview after that, it was a new Gennady, an angry Gennady, a mad Gennady. Did going through those two fights do anything to take away your love for the business? You know, I have good experience, you know, right now I understand boxing business. I have a new deal with the zone, you know. Yeah. I know, I understand right now this business, you know. Yeah, I am mad, and right now too. And very, I'm not very. I really I'm happy with all this situation. Yeah, you know, just this is boxing. Do you have any Everybody. regrets about your performance at all in those two fights, or do you only have regrets about the way they were scored? No. So what I'm unhappy about as a professional fighter and as a fan of boxing, I don't want, uh, I don't like the atmosphere, a situation, how it's being judged. That's what I'm really unhappy about. So does that mean if you fight Canelo a third time, no Las Vegas, no chance? No, 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 no. We're looking at this as a at business, so it could be Vegas. Why not? All right, all right. I love it, Gennady. Great to talk to you. As always, final question here: What kind of what kind of show are we going to expect on Saturday night in the zone, Madison Square Garden against Steve Rolls? What kind of show for your fans? You know, you, you know my stuff. You know, everybody wants to watch good quality fight. Everybody, everybody wants big drama show. I bring, you know, I brought promise me. Just trust me, I bring good events, you know, good quality fights. There it is. Show on Broadway. He's a good boy, this Gennady Golovkin. Don't get old, Gennady. Stay young forever. You look great. Okay, thank you. Best of luck, brother. Thanks for the time. Of course, anytime. Rafe, always good to chat with... Uh, with JJJ himself, because you go back way back to 2012 with him. Um, look, I pushed him a little bit on Canelo. He wants Canelo next, but I love the new Triple G, which is just this almost like disrespectful, cocky Triple G who's like, look, Canelo's just a guy. He's just a fighter. He's not a promoter. He's basically trying to tell us, Rafe, that whether he fights Triple G or not in September, it's not up to Canelo. I almost wanted to interrupt him and be like, that's not how boxing works, but we can go with that. Brian, are you, are you serious, Brian? I just wanted to say that. Um, I look. I'm excited to see Triple G come back. I'm interested to see how he looks. I w- what did you think 
of the his the video that came out of his workout when he came down from Big Bear, did a workout in LA last week. Oh, he's jacked. And he's ripped. He's he jacked. looks sharp. Yeah. He's in better like he is in fight shape earlier. I mean, it's all a week before the fight, but still he you know, in, in the past couple of years, he in between fights he would look a little puffy. Yes. And that was not the case. That was he looked prime. Well, look, uh, there, now, there was the messy back di- in his prime, no, but well, there was a messy divorce with Abel, and look, it was what it was. But changing it up in your career, not a bad thing. Miguel Cotto had multiple reinventions with changing trainers. Oscar would change trainers like crazy. By the way, do you think we'll look back at Miguel Cotto's middleweight reinvention and question PEDs when we didn't back then? I would question the matchmaking. I question him stealing the lineal title off of a hobbled Sergio uh, Martinez on one leg and then running away with it, never fighting Triple G, fighting Wash Canelo at 155 and then doing and, – and, and just – yeah, I, I question all that. No, I don't question him for PEDs more than any other fighter because we know that there's a lot of that a lot of performance enhancing audio in the sport of boxing also a lot of ridiculousness yes. but the one thing in in Miguel Cotto's favor is that Mr. Balls had or Mr. Nuts you know he had a serious a serious sack there and a lot of testosterone so he may not have needed the PEDs <laughs> Mr. Nuts. <laughs> uh, all right. We don't care so much about the matchup. Steve Rolls, unbeaten Canadian. We've talked about it. 35 years old. Was one of the final fighters that Emmanuel Stewart at Kronk, who also produced new Triple G trainer Jonathan Banks, um, you know, was part of that deal for a little bit. Never fought anybody of note. Do you care, though, about the spectacle? Because Triple G just said it himself in that interview. I didn't know anything about Steve Rolls when I signed the deal, and I still don't. This is basically what he said in his broken English. Uh you going to tune in excitedly to see how he looks? I mean, when he does fight borderline Joe Bears, he sends him to hell, Rafe. <laughs> it's never it's, – yeah, it, I, of course I'm going to be excited. And of course I'm going to watch and I'm going to look forward to it because you know what you're getting in this kind of fight. Be- he's going to do what he – he's going to put it on some guy who's going to – and midway through that first round or 30 seconds into the fight, he's going to have a look on his face like – I did not know this was going to be as bad a night as uh, this is not like the other fights I've fought. This is, can I give the money back? Like what is happening here? He's going to have that, that old Matthew Macklin look in his eyes. And I'm sorry, Macklin. We love you, bro. I know you got to bro out with him in the garden in New York. Um, but. Macklin had that look, that oh crap, this ain't this ain't good. This ain't and up. I think yeah. that's what we're gonna see. And 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 then if it doesn't if it doesn't go according to script, that means we got something interesting, and that also makes the fight exciting and worth watching. Yeah, so raw. either way, you're you're coming out pretty happy. The raw dog will come out at some point. I can't find any buttons anymore. I'm, I'm sorry to you listeners. I'm sorry the times that Ray fades away. Although he picked a new location to record from today, so we have had no problems. I'm sorry that I never can find the right button at the right time. Rafe, Saturday, Kinshasa. That's, yeah, that's the story of Brian's life, huh? Oh, God. Keen, wow. This guy is trying to shoot some bombs. Yeah. Uh, Kinshasa, Zaire, Congo, Saturday, Ilunga, Makabu. My guy, Junior. Versus Mike Perez, 12 rounds, cruiserweights. Rafe, you love it when we're cruising together. It's good to be back. It's good to be cruising again. I know we've got Enrique Latvia coming up in a couple of weeks. We got the WBSS cruiserweight semifinals. I'm hyped for that. Yeah, give me this. Give me this. Mike Perez is kind of a boring 
negative spoiler at cruiserweight or at least that's been the story so far but you know what this is a good top 10 matchup both guys will be back in the mix and the and so and with Usyk moving up the whole division is up for grabs so you know these guys this, this fight matters all right also on sunday Quezon City, Philippines, Rafe. Quezon oh, City. That, literally, literally where I lived for three years, where I'd stay every time I go back to the country. It, it, QC, I'm a QC boy. QC boy talagaho. Jessen Mama. Jessen Mama in the main event against Ekawit Songnui. Twin rounds flyweights. Do you care? I gotta care. Of course. Is that, is it where, what, what arena? Is it at Araneta Coliseum? That's a big arena. Just for... tell Jason, you know, I love your mama. We good friends. I love your daddy. But that's about it. Rafe, we gotta get out of here. Special thanks to Jerry Cooney, the gentleman, and buy his book and special thanks as well to the great Triple G. Check him out in the zone this weekend. Rafe, shout out to all of our great listeners. Top quality bloke, Alex Godinez. We got some, some weirdos out there. We love these guys, Rafe. We have the, I love, even, even when, I have the terrible connection and I'm fading out and we're doing the are you with me. Some of our listeners even give us nice comments over that. They, te- they, they roll with the punches. They roll with that. They turn that into a joke. If you can turn our terrible quality into a joke, I got so much love and respect for you. Thank you. I got so many bad things, disrespectful things I want to say. Uh, shout out to Andy Ruiz Jr. Right on. Not your typical fighter. Not a, you know, like the lightning hand speed. Married to spectacular legs. More married to a spectacular gut. By the way, that Dwyer, like, pause, I saw your face. You're like, like, you're just waiting. Where's he going to go? The Dwyer inflection pause is amazing. And shout out to Ray Boom Boom Mancini for just, just making us care about any fight again. Oh, dig it again, dig it again. Yeah, dig it again one more time. Shout out to the Irish crew. Shout out to Omaha. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you, Bo Mac. And shout out to you, Rafe Bugs, my friend. You got any uh, message for uh, for our listeners? Or wait, before we do, hey, check out also our Pro Wrestling Edition on Wednesday, our MMA Edition on Tuesday, an interview with women's flyweight champion of the UFC, Valentina Shevchenko. Rafe, I know what B-Hop once said about MMA. Everybody, everybody's different. I don't want to watch two grown men with panties on. Wrestling, I mean, I'm from the hood. I, we don't, We don't play that. We don't. To me, I'm not buying a ticket to watch two men with panties on, sweating, you know what I mean, nuts in their face. (laughs) MMA is a bunch of skinhead white guys. Yeah. Yeah, B-Hop said my crew can't go for that. No, whoa. We are out. Viva Ruiz!